Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that hates the international break but loves a Q&A. We do indeed. Now, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Chelsea Fancast second Q&A episode brought to you in, conjun- in conjunction even with the international break. Now, we hope it's a good opportunity for you to ask the questions you always wanted of the fancasters and also have a good natter about all things Chelsea. An informal state of the Chelsea union, if you like. Uh, now, if you're a Chelsea fancast Patreon, you can, of course, be part of this show by joining us on the Zoom. But fear not, we are broadcasting this live on Mixler as we always do. And, of course, as ever, it will be released as a podcast. Now, the title of tonight's show, I warn you, this is going to be controversial. It is uh, Q&A to Chelsea fancast number 768 more of that in a minute but before we do that uh, it would be remiss of me not to introduce uh, the uh, legend that is the uh, eric uh, ernie wise to my eric morecambe the uh, eddie large no i'd probably be eddie large to sid little i don't know you know hinge and bracket i mean you name it really great double well, acts of the century be great cannon and ball cannon Can and we- ball rather r.i.p Bobby the, grumble, the grumbleweeds could be that as well. More like the tumbleweeds, mate. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. How are you, dear boy? Very good, thank you. Very good. I've just been training. Just been doing sprints on my bike. So just to uh, so you've had a beer chat. I've got a, a um, I've got an exercise chat now. So mm. um, uh, which has given me an appetite. It's why I'm having a bit of tuna. Are you? Um, yeah, good. Thank you. Uh, uh, um, what I've been doing? Did this ridiculous. Um, um, Winter's Tale li- um, live talk. Yes, you wouldn't know. I did a um, uh, for charity. Did a, a reading of Shakespeare's Winter's Tale. And I played Autolycus, and there were some really rather well-known people on it. And I was just um, um, he comes on in Act Four, my character. So I did a bit of that. But it was on Zoom. And what was so lovely about it was um, how completely inept some of the actors were with dealing with Zoom. And with a whole scene was played between two actors, one of which spoke because he was too near his microphone and the other one just went maybe he was a mime artist i wish that had been the case chidge i really <laughs> wish that had been the case but if no. you'd have had us on we would have been piss oh, artists well, I was to, no i'm gonna say all of you lot are you know you're all tuned into all of this and got it all right you know you immediately yeah. but oh dear so we're professionals yeah. mate we're but professionals. professionals absolutely right professionals but yeah but thanks i'm fine i'm great Thank good you. to see like, you as always nice, nice money was made for charity lovely good stuff and now we also because there are there is a, a posse of fan casters in here tonight which is kind of the point really so that we can have a proper q a and uh i'm delighted to say we have uh the housewife's favorite everybody's favorite fan caster mr clayton beerman good evening good evening everyone Lovely to be there. Yeah. Housewife's choice. You got that wrong. Housewife's choice. I'm very sorry. I mixed my yeah. metaphors, didn't I? Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Either way, I upset Tony, so it wasn't at all wasted. <laughs> no, absolutely. That's, that's a good way to start the evening. Indeed it is. Uh, good to see you, mate, as always. And we have the Reverend Tony Glover in the house. Bonsoir. Yes. Mange too, mon ami. Mange too. Yes, yes, yes. You well? I'm very good, very good. Uh, I, I, you know, most of Saturday was... Uh, written off in a haze of um, self-pity, self-loathing, um, uh, you know, advanced beer lag. Sunday was um, pretty good. Um, we had the grandchildren as well over the weekend, so um, I wasn't allowed to be too uh, too laggy for too long because, you know, I'm granddad, aren't I? You are indeed. You don't I never knew at... you were a granddad, no. Tony. I never knew you always struck me as being 
you know, man of 40. Yeah, he's, he's, he doesn't look a day over 70, really, does he? Yeah. He Jonathan Kidd, you go up in my estimations every <laughs> single time <laughs> on this call. Tony, but it was started off really low, didn't it? That's the trouble. So. <laughs> yeah, get a room, you we two. Had, we haven't had a good Barney for some time. No, you haven't. Well, because no. everybody's happy nowadays. Now, uh, yes. last but by no means least from the uh, fan cast uh, circle uh, is the pin-up boy of the Chelsea fan cast, also known as Dean Mears. <laughs> Good evening, Jim. Everybody, <laughs> mate. It was decided a few weeks ago that we decided that most of us, because our average age is about fifty-five, none of us could be possibly. Uh, some somebody wrote in an email, didn't they, saying that they'd fallen in love with us. They were like, our, uh, "She was our groupie," and I said, "Well, we're far too old, so she must be referring to one of the younger lot." And you got the vote, mate. What can I say? It's a low bar, but I'll take it. <laughs> that was very true. Right, that's the fan cast is out of the way. Now, the great thing about these Q&As, the great thing about Zoom, the great thing about lockdown, the only decent thing about the fact that, you know, we're not being able to go and we're doing it all like this is that we can do these Q&As uh, and we can do them on Zoom. I have to say, it would be more fun to do it in the Atlas pub. Maybe one day we'll get back and we'll be able to do that. But in the interim, this will have to do. Now, I'm going to introduce you all uh, in the order that I see you. And of course, now, this young man, uh, of course, uh, has been listening to this show pretty much since we started. Uh, and we, we he's called Lester Thorpe, but we've renamed him, obviously, and Lester, have we not? That's true, yeah. <laughs> Hi there, everybody. Good to see you, mate. Uh, we've also got the wonderful uh, Daryl. Evening, guys. Good to see Evening. you, Daryl. Evening. All the way from Toronto, Canada, or Canada, if you prefer, is Ash Pinto. Hi, everybody. Good evening. Good to see Ash. Uh, we have one of my favourite people, largely because he always buys me a vodka with my Guinness in the Cock Tavern when I see him far too infrequently in, in you know before a match, the lovely Freddie Carberg. Hi, everyone. Hello. There we go. Ah, Freddie Freddy is raising a pint of Guinness. I see your Guinness There's and I raise you, you mine. Yeah, good man. Good to see Freddie in here. Good to see you, Ian. From it's Sweden. almost like a Guinness, Guinness commercial. It that, is, that. you know. The head on that. As, wow. I know. A, a quick aside. I spent... I am, to... I'm, go on, Freddie. I'm sorry, in mate. a pub, so it's professionally made. There we I'm, go. I'm at work in a pub. Yeah, it's shit's on mine. Mine's come from a can, but there you go. Right. Uh, we've, so Freddie's from Sweden. Alex Davidson uh, from East Boston. How do you do, guys? Good to see you, mate, as always. Uh, the lovely Claire McConnell, uh, also from Canada. Hello. Nice to see Hello. you. You uh, too. And we've got Ash Simpson. We've got a couple of newbies to the Q&A. We've got Ash Simpson. Hi there. Where are you from, Ash? Sunny Suffolk. Sunny Not too Suffolk. far away. Lovely Suffolk. Nice part of the world. And last, but by no means least, the lovely and very loyal Brian Justman that many of you would have probably seen in uh, Mixler many times, many times, wouldn't they, Brian? <laughs> no? Sorry, not, not no. yet, no. Okay, no. I, just thought I'd, I just thought I'd call you out, you know. Where, where have you been? Where have you been? <sighs> the show broadcasts at 11 a.m. here in California, so it's, it's tough for me to step aside from work to listen. Yeah, no, I get it's that. coming though. It's coming. It's I, coming. I get that. I've, I've had people email in saying, Chidge, Chidge, you know, because it's like 11 o'clock in the morning where we are and I'm listening to it in the office. Can you not swear as much? I, ha I have had complaints about that because yeah. we forget well, Brian's that. Brian's described me as the cool uncle, so he's right, <laughs> at, the top of, yeah. right yeah. at the top of my list right now. Well, I was trying to work out why. 
I can't quite work out why, Tony. All right, you lovely lot. Good to see you all in here. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've got a lot of people in here tonight, so that's great. So if you could all, apart from the usual suspects, Tony, well, the fan casters, could you mute your mics and we'll get on and I'll bring you in for some questions at the appropriate juncture. Right, now, uh, now as I was saying earlier, actually, you might have noticed this, uh, that something has changed in respect of the... Uh, in fact, actually, I've noticed something too. I've noticed that neither of the mics have been working on Mixler. Oh, well, they'll get it on the podcast, won't they? You're about to say I hadn't pressed record. No, I did that. I, it, the trouble is it changes the settings without me seeing it, so never mind. Uh, Mixler people, I owe you apologies because uh, basically the thing didn't, didn't, uh, it didn't uh, do what it was supposed to. But anyway, never mind. You can hear us now. Somebody else say something so I can hear them. Hello, everybody. Yeah, that's all working. Right. Now, you may have noticed that something uh, has changed. I did allude to this a minute ago in respect of the show number. Yes, you may have noticed that it's there's been a jump of about 288. Yes. I, I'm not just making this up. This is for real. I can I can confirm... Well, if, it, if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for you, mate. No, no, listen, exactly. I mean, I can confirm that all the mail-in ballots have now been counted and that this is the definitive and final show number. No, there is a real reason, actually. It, I found this out on, on ACAS, the platform that we put this on. And, um, you know, basically, it said that we had, like, another 280 shows that I hadn't ever uploaded there, which is true. And, of course, we never counted all the other ones. I added it all up, and it came to 767. So I thought, well, that's how many shows we've done. So we might as well say that's how many shows we've done. So there you go. So from now on, we we, we in the uh, Pol Pot era of the Chelsea fancast, we're back to year zero. We're now at 768. So there you go. Now, on the show tonight, um, as I said a minute ago, we've got a few emails, which we're going to start off with. We've got some questions that have come in already, and we're going to kick off with those get the discussion going, and then we'll open it up uh, to the floor, as it were, with our Patreon members. And, of course, anybody who's listening on Mixler can also write us a question. Now, as ever, don't forget to, uh, you know, listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock. Go to Mixler, mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast, where, of course, you can join in all the chat on the live chat page, as so many of you do. And, of course, you can always tweet us anytime you like at Chelsea Fancast. Now, after this quick break, we will be talking emails. Okay, we're back. And the first thing we're going to do tonight, we've got a lovely email uh, from, um, of course, I've now turned the page. It's from Simon Delmer, JK. Simon Delmer? Simon Delmer. Good old Simon Delmer. He's from New Zealand, mate. Ah, uh, mate, um, you, you have to go jam, don't you, instead of Jim, when you're doing that accent. Don't Maybe. You? I've never been able to do a New Zealand day. I can say fash and chips. That's what they... Fush. Fush. Fush, In fact, it's fush, fush and chips. Fush, yeah. I think, is yeah. fush. And we used to have just a quick joke. I used to have this Kiwi production manager. And whenever I was in an edit suite, they never gave us enough tape decks. You know, I'd always, because I'd always have loads of tapes, loads of archive. You know, I used to go large and everything, you know. And uh, she kind of 
uh, preempted my m- morning moaning when I'd wander into the edit suite, and she'd she'd go, "Chidge, Chidge, do you want another dick in the suite?" And I used to turn around <laughs> and say, "No, we've already got two dicks in here, thanks, cat." No, no, no. Do you want another dick in the suite? <laughs> I digress. Yeah, good, good. It's not tumbleweed. I liked it. I laughed. You I did, laughed. actually. No, no, it's a good start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah. Email one uh, for JK. Simon Demler. Hey, boys, been thinking about emailing for a while now. Been a listener for about three years and a Chelsea fan for about 13. Greetings to you, Chidge and JK. And whomever, oh, correct use of whom, he says. Oh, Simon, I love you, is the guest today. Oh, Simon, you're so far up in the list of esteem. It's a bit strange being a Chelsea fan over here in little old New Zealand. Most people, when I started watching, would take the more well-known options of either Man United or Liverpool, and Chelsea wouldn't really get the same attention. I sort of stumbled upon it accidentally as a little 10-year-old playing a crappy game on the PlayStation and thought, oh, I'm going to be the blue team. Fast forward to 2006-07, and I'm flicking channels on the telly, and on pops Everton versus Chelsea. Chelsea wearing those gorgeous white away kits. I remember the game being fantastic, as we were 2-0 down to two goals from Arteta, I believe it was. Not 10 seconds after changing the channel and my first experience of FA Premier League football, do I see a Frank Lampard screamer into the top right-hand corner. Hopefully you all remember the goal I'm talking about, then seeing a Ballack free kick, and then another absolute beamer from Drogs. Needless to say, I was hooked from then on. What a fantastic introduction that was. Having no idea about any of the intricacies about football news or any at the time, I had no idea that Chelsea had been bought by a Russian oligarch only a few years prior. Neither did I even know that Chelsea had won the previous two Premier League titles. I bought the DVDs from the title wins and watched them many times over to get myself up to speed. Such great memories as a teenager. And may I say as well, perfect timing, Simon. Uh, I've been watching basically every game since, most of the time having to stay up till 2 or 3 a.m. to catch it live. Although in the last year or so, since doing long hours and a varying sleep schedule, I usually just turn off all social media notifications. It's, I do the same if I've missed it, yeah. And watch the replay first thing Sunday morning, and the experience is largely the same. Which brings me to the main point of why I thought I'd email today. I've had quite bad anxiety for the past year as I've gone through a lot of changes. Mental health is a huge part of what's made me who I am today. And reaching out to people, whether it's asking for help or even just expressing gratitude, I wanted to express my gratitude to you folk for being a fantastic sort of goodness, source of goodness in my daily commutes. I love all the banter, the Chelsea talk, telling off JK. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Does that happen a lot? I don't know. I don't even notice that. Hearing all the guests and their perspectives and everything about the pod that makes it great. I find myself in my own little Chelsea world when I listen. I wanted to express my thanks. So thank you. You guys are my favourite Chelsea pod. Just edging the lib boy. The what? The L.I.B. But I don't know. Never heard of them. No, I mean, London is is something. Never heard of them. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Thank you. Uh, Much love to you all and keep the blue flag flying high. Fantastic sentiment, Simon. Thank you so much. Lovely. I got a bit, I got a bit choked then when you said that. I was yeah. a, a really brilliant, brilliant. Thank you so much. And the well, but great listeners. Thank you so. It's really brilliant to hear that from you. It's, yeah. it's, it's terrific to express. I, I got a bit moist when he said that we edged out the London is blue boys. Obviously, yeah, as well. Yeah. On a on a more serious note, I'm sorry, Simon, to hear that you've been suffering from anxiety. That's that's a really rough rough gig, mate. So I hope you're getting some help with that uh, mental health. As you know, is very close to my heart what I do as a day job and to think that we in some way help with your mental health 
really makes me almost choke up actually like jk i think that's brilliant um yeah so there we go what can i say what a fantastic email what i like about it chidge is that you you and i will have met people in the pub or after the game in the pub who are probably a little bit too cool for school you know they 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 you know they think that we're getting paid for this or something along them lines and and i think they kind of miss the point that the listenership and you know uh, and i'm going to plug the podding shed here because it's going to be back in the next couple of weeks am i allowed on it of course you are you sure to get you on that overexposure mate and all away that. from being the host because you're a very good guest oh thank but, you but the fact is that the stuff we used to get the feedback from the podding shed which was nowhere near on the scale of this but was always from the people who can't get to the games and when I say can't get to the games, it could be because they're in the Shetland Islands or it could be because they're in, you know, parts of Africa or, you know, America or Central America or wherever. And 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 they're getting, if you like, the, the beauty of it is different perspectives on the games from each of us because we none of us have got the same views on, 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 on stuff or whatever. And it is a real link to the club. And I think I think that when I get, a, you know, you get a few, oh, look, you, you think you're good because you're just, you know, your podcasters, well, you know, from the two calls for school brigade, I, I just you know I've I, I, I kind of bat them away because I I just don't think they get why we do it and what benefit we don't get any benefit from it really other than the joy of doing it. Yeah, absolutely. So it was a really nice nice email that to. Yeah, just, it was, wasn't it? I'd say we're too old for school, not too cool for school. But there you go, yeah. just me. Um, I'm <laughs> going to read this quick one out here because it's in, in a similar vein, and and then we can get on. Uh, with some questions and stuff. Anyway, it's from Nana Yeboah. Now, I mean, most of us will, when you hear the name Yeboah, I, I always remember that. I mean, I know he played for Leeds, but that goal he scored, bloody hell, Tony Yeboah. So I wonder, I, I don't think it's a relation. But anyway, Nana Yeboah says, Hey, Mr. Chidge, I hope my email is read. I started listening to the show two months ago and I absolutely love it. Mr. Jonathan Kidd, exclamation mark. I giggle whenever I hear his name. Well, so do we, mate. Uh, only, I've been a... only humour was that simple. If only it was. Yeah. If only it was. If, 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 if it was actually genuinely humorous, you know, you would have a topper in there, wouldn't you? The rule of three. So it would be Jonathan Kidd spelt with three Ds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kidd did that. Kidd I'd spell it backwards, wouldn't I? Nathan so there you go. Um, I giggle whenever I hear his name. I've been a Chelsea supporter since 2005 when I was only five years old. Wow, a millennial. Uh, I was the only thing uh, within my... I was the only person in my family who was a Chelsea fan. I couldn't watch a lot of games when I was in Ghana. Ghana. You see, Michael Essien always makes me think of Ghana. Anyway, uh, but since I came to the US for school, I catch almost all of our Premier League games. I must say, this Chelsea team is taking shape. After all, if people need a hint of a change, they should just look at our defence. We've got super Frankie Lampard. He knows exactly what we need. Thiago at the back. ZH um, in attack. Chelsea's going to win the Premier League. Well done, Nana, from Michigan, US. Well, Nana, it's brilliant to hear from you. If you're in Michigan, stay safe and well, because I know things are pretty tough there at the moment. Right, now, I'm going to get on with the questions. We've got a question in on Patreon. From the lovely Joe Mingola, who, of course, as we, as those of us uh, who are in the Premier Predictions League will know, is uh, has been the the leader all the way through. I mean, he's quite phenomenal with his picks. He's also in the Discord group as well. He's a good lad, and he says, "Good evening, Chidge. 
Great, as always, to hear from you. And thanks again for all that you, JK, and the rest of the fan cast Galacticos do to bring a little bit of the bridge to we outsiders. Two questions for you and JK, and obviously Tony and Clayton and Dean. Uh, first, try as I might, I've been unable to find any video on YouTube demonstrating the slow clap that apparently was used from time to time in the 70s to express displeasure. Was it really just a golf-style clap utilised by the entire home supporters when the expected effort was not forthcoming? For some reason, I find the notion amusing, and I'm disappointed it seems to have fallen out of favour. Second, when I hear about Ken Bates' electric fence, am I correct in understanding that such a measure was only threatened but never actually implemented? Or was there a time when patrons actually faced the prospect of being shocked if they dared to invade the pitch? I think, actually, my, my memory, Joe, is that... Uh, the patrons were shocked if Chelsea scored a goal, but that's a different thing. Anyway, any insight on that would be most welcome. Thanks again for all you do and up the Chelsea. Um, I think uh, where's is he? Is he? Just, he's there. He's got. He's moved over there for some reason. I mean, you remember we talked about that on the Fifty Years Show, J.K. And you were the one that mentioned the slow hand clapping. Do you remember when that started happening? I think it was in the sixties, though, as well. I don't think it was a seventies thing particularly. I'm actually, I, I, you know, my. my uh... My mistake. I said to Joe, I think before I would, I would try and look up a video where I'd heard it as well. But I know I remember it being a constant. Um, uh, it, it just would start up, and then ev the whole ground would do it. Um, I'm surprised it isn't on a video. I really must, I must look it up. But I think it, I think it went into the 70s. But I thought it was a late 60s thing. Um, but it was, it was just, a, it was just a slow hand clap. It was, I don't really know what a golf style clap is. So. Uh, um, it was just, uh, you know, everybody just joined in. You get one chap starting it. And also, if the team was, what I loved was occasionally the team would be playing quite well and some bloke could go, and everybody goes, shut up, they're playing quite well. Shut up, shut up. And then that he'd go, oh, I don't think they are. And you'd have a kind of Barney would go on in the uh, uh, in the in, in the crowd. I mean, I, I flitted at the time from watching in the shed and, and using my dad's ticket in the East Stand. So... You get kind of uh, the odd person would start it. The East Stand seemed to start it before the shed, bizarrely, but in the on the ground, which I never quite understood whether it was a kind of. I think it was probably people thinking I've paid a lot of money for this. I'm in the stand. I really don't want to watch this crap. But uh, no, they. Um, it was what? Sorry, what, what? It wasn't just a football thing. I mean, my my understanding was it actually started um, in the theatre. Um, well, yeah, I agree, but I think it was a it was a universal thing, wasn't it, Tony? Yes, it was because something was rubbish. Yeah. Got it, didn't he? Yeah. When he started yeah. throwing tantrums at um, at Wimbledon and and the like. And um, yes, yes, absolutely. I, 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 I saw it somewhere when it was completely out of context, where it was actually some sort of celebration or something like that. Um, and I can't remember what it was or, or what sport it was. And I just remember thinking, that's how bizarre because the slow hand clap was always. A kind of alternative to booing it was almost like yeah you know just get off you know stop it or whatever so um, i think it was better it, when it was done with menace yes and it yeah. often and was it been sort of um <clears throat> it's been kind of uh co-opted a bit by the iceland fans hasn't yeah it? but that's they're, not i don't think that they're, they're, they're supporting no, that's, yeah it's a different thing but it, i mean the, the one we had was a much more languid get more, off the bloody more state. british it was miserable Yes, it was miserable. Yeah. It, was, it, was it was a misery steeped, to it. Steeped in misery it and was. pain. <laughs> steeped in misery and piss, just like the old Chedham was in 
days gone by, and oh god, don't I miss them? Clayton, do you? I mean, you know, uh, do you remember anything about the slow clapping? No, I just remember it. It was when things were particularly pants uh, during a performance, and people were just slow hand clap. I just uh, like like the guys. I remember it. It, it was everywhere. It wasn't just at Chelsea. Um, it was obviously prevalent at Chelsea because we were so rubbish. But um, it was no, it, it, it was a thing. It, people did it in in all sort of sports, and I, I, I wasn't lucky enough to be in a theatre when that happened. That must have been fantastic. It was it was JK before me at the time. <laughs> it was the first first performance of Macbeth, wasn't it? Although we're not allowed to say that, are we, JK? No, we're not allowed to say that. We have to turn our money over. Okay, okay, I'll say it was it was I've the first that. performance of The Merchant. There you go. I've got to turn around now. <laughs> He's actually <laughs> doing it. Oh. Or should I say? <laughs> anyway, I'm um, right. I want. I'm going to answer the Bates thing in a minute, but I know Brian very patiently has had his hand up. He's playing by the rules to the letter. Good man, Brian. What is it you wanted to say? Oh, I've been dying to ask uh, Mr. Kidd this because he is a qualified referee, but if he was in charge of Pigmall, how would he fix the officiating in the Premier League? Um, younger, fitter players um, not have um, make sure that every linesman, uh, every assistant referee was the, the same level as uh, referees, so they weren't their um, uh, uh, inferiors. Because what happens is, I mean, bizarrely, I think I've explained this on the fan cast before. Um, uh, I, I was having some work done on my house and uh, the the head, uh, the foreman, um, was a, a weekends was a, an assessor. And um, he was sort of bloke like that. But when you asked him footballing stuff, he would put on a voice like that because it became like, you know, I am I'm being official. You know, I'm an official character. And um, and he constantly said the linesmen defer to the referee particularly Taylor, Anthony Taylor, who is a big cheese, aren't are they? They defer. Yeah, but he can't see. Doesn't matter. They're deferring. Yeah, but they've seen it better than him. Uh, they defer. So in, in I always refer to rugby union because um, uh, when the when the, the linesman puts his flag up, there's no um, let's have a debate about it. It's it's he walks on the pitch and says he did that to that. And the referee goes, oh, that's interesting. Let's look at the let's look at the uh, the video referee. There's no kind of Oh, you can see Taylor going, oh, God, do I have to do that? Oh, dear. I make the decisions. There's such ego in in refs uh, in, in the whole of the, the Premier League. And also, also they're not they, they take the easy way out. You look at, you know, I feel for them because they're trying to do their best. But Moss, I watched Moss's performance the other day. He's just on the periphery. They're about 35 yards away. All of them are 35 yards away. Therefore, they've got to rely on the linesman and the linesmen are fearful. or They don't see it either. They've got to be up with it. The thing about Clattenburg was that Clattenburg, they may have hated him because he had such a, he was such an ego, uh, um, um, but he was always on top of play because he was so fit. So you couldn't, and he saw everything. And, and that's why I thought he was, he was such a terrific referee because if he's making a decision based entirely, he would then also, he'd ask the, the linesman if they'd seen anything, but I would just replace them all. And there's so, there's so much cronyism involved. They're all protecting their backs. And I mean, a perfect example is the, the ludicrousness of, of uh, Maguire wrestling um, Dave the ground in that um, uh, in the Man United game and it was just glossed over because it, uh, I can't was it Atkinson was a ref and I can't remember but he obviously clearly said he didn't see it and and it's his mate and he goes well I didn't see it either game goes on 
surely it must be in their remit to look at these things. They've got a television there. So therefore you look and it's his mate. They don't want to, he doesn't want to, I don't know what he doesn't want to do. He should just make a decision. You've got to stop it. But you can see every time that happened last season, there was a kind of, particularly with Atkinson, you could see him thinking, I'm being completely undermined here. And I think that's the other trouble is it, it makes them look, the more mistakes they make that are overturned by VAR, the more incompetent they look and the more they think I'm going to, I'm going to have to retire. So this, in this way, not doing that buoys them up and keeps them going in the profession because they're earning a lot. But to me, I don't know how you do it. I think you, well, I think what you do is you get fitter, fitter, younger, not as experienced, but you, you, they accept the fact that the linesmen are part of it and that VAR is completely what they have to refer to and they go over to the screen and and it takes moments and they're all part of a team that isn't worried about their own status and ego and that's the way i would i would do it um but it, i i i don't know how that's going to happen because everybody just feeds in and you see the same errors being made and the same status is created so unless there's a huge overhaul but it would be for me the the first thing to start with would just stop the the linesman just being linesman. The linesman should be somebody who is also has refed a Premier League game. And that way the, the ego and the status is, is kept at a level. So his decision means something. There's not a kind of, of, of deferral each time. And I, I, I would stop by, by changing them around as well and having more of them would stop the, uh, the kind of, of, of hierarchical um, example status. Is, you know. Sean Massey is a, a fully qualified but she's never ref the premier league no, indeed indeed well you have to be qualified to run the line but the madness of yes. it absolutely you know, you know why I, she I, hasn't I, though you, you kick something off here brian but i would i'd start at the very top mike riley is absolutely he was a waste of space as a referee and he's an even bigger waste of space as the head of pg mole or whatever it is um and i'd be in favor of what jonathan says but keeping them in teams of four so yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they're with yeah. each other week in, week out. They build that team rapport. They go to the same games together. And I'd also stop put a stop to this thing where you have uh, people like Mike Dean, born in Liverpool, refereeing games involving Liverpool and Everton. That, that's not that's not rocket science. It's just, you know, you can't referee those games. I mean, to be really honest, Tony, uh, and uh, call me naive and old-fashioned, but I would like to think that it doesn't really matter where they come from, that they won't allow their buyers to come in. Although... You know, obviously, I'm I'm acutely aware of of unconscious bias, and one can't do much about that. But I would like to think that they're they're, they're above that. Um, right, I'm just gonna um, let's finish off the other part of Joe's question, yes. which uh, was the the Bates electric fence. Now, my memory of it, my memory of it was he never did switch it on because he wasn't allowed. I think I think the GLC, the Greater London Council, as it was in those days, said he wasn't allowed to. Is that right, Clayton? Yeah, it is. It was health and safety. It could never ever have got that um, got that working. And, and the machine gun turrets and machine gun placements were definitely banned, weren't they? Indeed, and the Alsatians. Although there were quite a few Alsatians on you know, were, during actually. the day. But yeah, it didn't stop you though. It didn't stop you from going up and touching the wire though. We always did that. We went up and touched just to see whether it was on I or used, not. I used we to do that. I used to do that with down here in the country where I grew up. No. You know, I used to do that in, in uh, they, you know, they would fence cattle in and the, quite often they'd be electric and I would always go and touch it. And you get a, you get a shock. It's not nice. Right, but yeah, so you're always testing it. But it was always at the top when you always have to go up on the those uh, the little hoops. Yeah. Fence, 
they always had. You'd always just try and climb up, and then a policeman would say, get down, get down. Oh, sorry, but I'm just trying to test if the electricity's on. Well, it might be. Oh, OK. All right, all right. Uh, now, it's before your time, Dean. Otherwise, I'd have brought you in, the, the electric fence. Yeah, I wasn't born then. No, so, you, um, you were lucky, yeah. mate. You were lucky. Honestly. No electric fence for me. You know, when I was a lad, we had to lick, lick the pavement clean 24 hours a day. And we were grateful. You were lucky. We when were I, lucky. When I was young, we didn't have tongues. When I was young, we didn't even have pavements to lick. Anyway, Freddie's got a question. Yeah, uh, it's not, not that much of a question. I have to leave in just a couple of minutes. No. I've got to start working. Oh. Yeah, i got to, I got, I got to start. Uh, asking drunken Swedes pub quiz questions. Hang on, let, let, him, let, him, let him finish and then you can sorry, say sorry. that, Jake. But before I go, I would like to share a story why everyone in Sweden knows Timo Werner will be a success. Because uh-huh. uh, back in the 80s, early or mid-80s, there was, um, there was a uh, the Saturday family entertainment show on one of the two Swedish channels that were active at the time. Had a uh, had a sketch with two German chefs called uh, Werner and Werner or Werner und Werner, and uh, they, the sketches weren't very good. The chefs weren't very good. They they were drinking, so that was funny. But uh, they also had this ending to every sketch ended with them saying, "If you don't have the proper ingredients, it will always work with celery." <laughs> so there you have it. <laughs> So there you go. <laughs> celery yeah, it's is a match made in heaven. Team and Chelsea. Cel- celery is always yeah. the art. There no, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to leave. No, that's but, all right. Jonathan wanted to forty minutes. Jonathan wanted to say something to you, Freddie. I said, "Great beard, Freddie." I said, "Great." Beard. Thank you, thank you. It's my Corona beard. Yeah, it's good, man. Listen, yeah. look, you stay safe. We really miss you. I tell you, it's really yeah, beginning. Can't wait the... to see you in the Cock or the Atlas again. Yeah, mm. I mean, it, it will happen soon. It will happen, mate. Don't it you worry about soon. that. It's the thing. One all thing right. that's key is bollocks to the football. I don't miss that at all. But I miss yeah. seeing you, people like you, in the Cock yeah. and. Having a Guinness or three Tony. I mean, you would have met Tony in the cock, I would imagine. I have met Tony in and the Clayton, cock. And Clayton, no doubt. Yeah. I met I met JK when we did that radio thing, Love Sports. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I remember that. was that. fun. Yeah, that was fun. All right. Freddie, yeah, you're so in love, mate. I got to go. Yeah, good to see you, man. Eat the you blue take flag care. flying high. Yeah, you too, man. Ya. Take care. See everyone. Brilliant Stay stuff. Safe. There you go. Freddie Carbog, long-time friend of the show, somebody I love seeing in the cock. And as I said, that's kind of what we're all deeply missing at the moment. Now, I'm going to I'm gonna ask this second question that came in. This one came in via Twitter, actually, and as an absolute doozy, as you like to say, uh, over the other side of the pond. Now, while we're answering this question, uh, this is something that you Patreon people might have a, have a voice in, actually. Um, but while, while we're doing that, maybe you can think of a next question you want to ask, and I'll bring you in. The system seems to be working. Hand raised, little blue hand in the right. I actually saw it. It was great. Uh, anyway, do you want to ask this now, Claire, or can I ask the question first? No, no. All right. Well. Later. All right. Okay. Right. The question is from Gary. He's at You Know It Makes Sense on Twitter, and he's a really lovely bloke. And he says, hi, Chidge. I hope you are you are keeping well and the running is going well. I have to have to be honest, Gary. I, I've I've not been for a run for nearly three weeks because I can't. I just can't haul myself out of bed in the winter early enough in the morning. It's too grim for me. So I, I've I've kind of like parked it for a while. I know. I know. I'll get back on it. I promise. Anyway, <clears throat> I have a question for the pod. When did you? And JK, start noticing people wearing replica shirts at the ground. And when did you start seeing the tourists going to Stamford Bridge 
really start to boom? Well, I mean, I will kick that off, but <clears throat> I mean, to my knowledge, although I was a bit young to really remember this, I mean, there were replica shirts available in the 70s, but I wasn't really aware of people wearing them frequently. And I mean, when I say frequently, I mean, it's not like now where like, you know, 80% of people wear replica shirts you'd get about 20 percent maybe but in the early 80s about 83 84 85 that's when i became aware of it um tourists is an interesting thing i think tourists as in tourists is really a modern phenomenon and i i think that we're really talking i think predominantly since roman took over and and we started being you know very successful as opposed to moderately successful and that that i would make that distinction you know i i think you know, I mean, Claire, uh, Freddie, I'm sure many of other. I know plenty of uh, American friends who were coming in the 80s. Beth Wilde, Michael Roban, uh, the Neat Brothers, to name a few. You know, I would never, ever, ever have called them tour- tourists. And, and I, I still wouldn't because they were they were Chelsea fans who just happened to not live near Chelsea. That's a very different thing. But that they're, tourists are people that, you know, not... Uh, it's part of the package. They're not really there for the football. I would I would make that distinction. I would say that's a very modern phenomenon. That's my take, uh, Dean. I think be, I think it'd be nice to ask you really because you know we, we we you know this one's not time limited as it were. You know. Yeah, I mean I've noticed sort of shirts at the ground ever since I've been going. You know, for me personally, it's always never wear colours because it always made me stood out. So everyone that I've always been to the football with never wear anything that's branded with Chelsea on it, apart from the tattoos if they got them. So then when they go up to a pub, if it's an away pub, they can go in there anyway. Well, D- Dean, that's that's tr- really true. Because, I mean, when I was going in the 80s, you know, it was de rigueur for safety, frankly, particularly if, I mean, you know, I, I, I've never been a fighter. I've always been a lover, not a fighter. And I've got, my face is too pretty to get involved in fighting. So I would absolutely be incognito, you know, Black Harrington, maybe a very small pin badge, no colours. Never ever wore colours. That was the rule, particularly when you went away. So I totally agree with you there. Um, what about? I mean, you know, what about tourists? Modern phenomenon. Yeah, I'd say since sort of Roman, and then definitely since um, the Champions League win, I think there's been a, a huge spike there. And the tourists, I would say, predominantly driven from the Middle East, uh, from the Far East. Sorry, you know, with the TV rights are booming over there. You know, they're the ones that sort of definitely stick out as, you know, they're there because they like football. They're not there because they're Chelsea supporters. Mm. Have been for years. It's, you know, it's a team in London that they can go to watch. I mean, that that's, I mean, you know, there is a school of thought, Jonathan and Clayton, but Jonathan particularly might want to pick up on this, that um, if you go back through Chelsea's illustrious history, yes, you know, we do have history. Um, Chelsea has always been a tourist club. Uh, we were formed a lot later than a lot of other clubs in London. We were in a very, very fashionable part of London, and we've always had a very transient supporter base. So whenever there was a really big game in London in the or at Chelsea in the twenties and the thirties, you know Chelsea would be absolutely mobbed out because everybody in London came to see it. So you know you get a percentage of dyed-in-the-wool Chelsea fans if that's what they were in those days, and then people would just pop in because that was the big event of the day. Um, is that? I mean, that's fairly true, isn't it, J.K.? Well, also you have to remember that masses of Fulham fans came to watch Chelsea. Well, they've they haven't, they've only got about ten, mate. To be fair. Okay. Well, all ten of them came to watch Chelsea, and um, and the same way lots of Chelsea fans would would go to the cottage, 
It was like a swap that mm. went on an enormous amount. But we were always seen as a bit of a musical showbiz. You know, we were an attraction, weren't we, really, in London? That's kind of why people would... We had a... You know, it's always been that way. If you read a lot of Rick Glanville's books... Because the ground was such an enormous... Um, yeah. Uh, had possibility of great attendance it was like it was it was already known as an athletic ground before that it was uh it was the huge ground in chelsea so you you, you and i think also the fact is you you went to see a big team and you you knew you'd get in um uh you know whereas fulham was a little bit uh was smaller obviously and rangers didn't have the same um uh the same clout really it just didn't it wasn't well known enough from a can i talk about the um uh, i mean i've got my from my memory um, I, I would echo what Dean said. Always, lots of lots of Japanese um, supporters seem to turn up a lot in the uh, in the noughties uh, after we'd won the title, because where I was sitting, I've been sitting in the uh, the East Stand. There were always people. It, it's it's deemed. I've said this before, a hospitality area. But I just sit with people I've been sitting with for twenty five years, and uh, it's just slowly but surely Bates built it into hospitality. But you would find. That if somebody couldn't make it, they'd they'd flog their tickets back to the club, who would sell them on to a couple of people who were frequently um, uh, Asian. There would be a frequently that that or, you know from the Far East. It was just a, it just seemed to be a tendency, and they would do that dreadful thing of of um, um, well dreadful. It was you know it was a great day out for them, and they were very keen to photograph themselves watching the game. You know, so you get a lot of standing up in the middle of moments where you didn't think really you should be standing up to take a picture of yourself you know but from a um from a shirt point of view um chidge to actually uh um um uh, i'm going to be shakespearean then uh, give the nay say what you were saying um you could actually buy replica shirts in the 60s in 1960 really well because well, i i rather annoyingly had five different shirts in 1960 and they were all Umbro, and uh, um, uh, I had a red and white Nottingham Forest one, V-neck. I had a blue and white one, which was a Chelsea one, and I had this Wolves one. And my father at the time was absolutely fearful that I would support Wolves, and he started therefore taking me into to watch the watch Chelsea as much as he possibly could. Um, and he did, to be fair to me, he he, he had a child for Queens Park Rangers, my dad, so he was very fond of Rangers. But I wasn't really happy because they're in the third division, whereas Fulham was an option. But this, the old gold, that's why I'm so disappointed with Wolves at the moment. They've got these, they've gone back to yellow. It's old gold. You've got to have that. That's traditional, traditional stuff. And, um, and I, had the, I had a Wolves outfit and, uh, and I think he hid it and uh, the blue and white one got pushed. But what, what then happened was that Frank Blunston, who was the... Uh, Frank the, the Chelsea, Tank. Indeed, who'd played, who'd won a, a league title um, or a league medal in, in, when he was 18 in 1954 and was still playing under Doherty. He had terrible, um, he, he had terrible tendonitis and had to retire at 28. And uh, he was a terrific player. I'm, I'm, I'm straining my memories here, but he was um, he was a fabulous player and a really swift winger. He opened a, a shop in Battersea that sold um, that sold outfits, football outfits, and you could get Lavender Hill. Indeed, you could get legitimate. In 1964, my birthday present was a Chelsea strip, blue. Um, with with the with the blue and white top with a blue thing in the middle with CFC you know that embroidered CFC blue shorts with a white stripe a number I had number nine because Barry Bridges was my favourite player and whites and white socks and uh, uh, and and you get kids wearing it you're almost you're allowed to wear it as a kid 
bizarrely, you could go along to the match dressed, you know, it's almost as if it was a lad. There's a, there's a, there's a kid wearing his outfit, but no, no, no blokes, no, 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 no elders, no, no adults wore the kit. It was, it was frowned upon. And um, so you, but then you get the odd one would, you know, as always in these situations, you get some bloke could come in wearing the outfit and you'd think, Oh, that's a bit weird. You think, oh, well, you think full kit wanker, mate? Yes, you would. even in even in 1966, you're thinking full kit wanker. You are, but it was just a bit weird. It was almost as if you didn't do that kind of thing. But because um, there were still people there with rattles, I kid you not, and there were still people there. When the ball was kicked up the pitch, they'd shout out, um, "That's the way to do it, Chelsea!" And you just think, well, it's somebody from completely a different era. It's somebody from who was watching in 1935, and it was the truth. Of course, they had. You think about it; it's only 30 years beforehand. And that was the kind of football that they expected. Fullback hoofed it up and everybody ran after it. Um, so you got, to, it was, it was, you know, it was, um, there were their replica kits. But, uh, and, and I, I personally experienced so much running from people in the 60s that you didn't really, as you said, Dean, ever, ever wear anything that would, um, uh, would, would show exactly who you were in terms well, that's of colour. That's a good point. That, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Tony Tony and Clayton. Tony, did you ever wear colours? Yeah, I did. Um, from about... And I, th- I honestly think it coincided with the the move away from the cotton-type shirts that they wore in the 70s to the the kind of polyester, climacool stuff or whatever it was obviously easier production techniques and... Uh, and easier to get the sizes because them old ones. And I had a nineteen. I had one from about that night. Well, it might have been a nineteen seventy one actually. But if you played football in it, it weighed about four or five pounds more at the end than it did at the bloody beginning because you'd sweated so much in it. Um, yeah, they got if, very baggy, didn't they, Tony? They, they got very, very baggy. baggy. Yeah. Um, and they never matched my knitted shorts. No, I didn't have knitted shorts. But, <laughs> knitted um, underpants. We we did have them back in our day, uh, JK, uh, didn't we? Knitted shorts and stuff like that. Um, uh, but they, they did. And if it was raining, then it, you, you still got soaking bloody wet. So I think it was sort of coincided with that. Now, I, I remember one of my first uh, one of my first ones was the red and white diamonds one. An absolute bloody awful oh, kit, really. Yeah, I think you'd yeah. never get you'd never sell any of that today. Um, but. Um, I, I I wore it quite proudly, and I get what Dean was saying about the no colours thing or whatever. But I didn't give a shit, really. Um, that's the truth. It was like they're my club, and um, I, I, I'd say I've only stopped wearing colours to the game probably in the last four or five years, and I, that's really just down to the fact that I think they've just massively priced themselves out of. You know, I, I've probably reached an age now where even if I was a multi-millionaire, I'd still look at it and go seventy quid. No. So yeah. So Clayton, um, it's interesting, isn't it? I've never, I've never actually seen J.K., Tony, Dean, you, or myself wear, a, you know, a replica shirt to a match. Well, I'm, I'm um, not allowed to. Hang on, I'm, I'm, what? I'm not allowed to. I'm not allowed. No, to. I know you're not. I know you're not. But uh, Clayton, I've never seen any of us do it. I think there's something there. The the only time I wear a replica shirt is for a cup final, and um, that's the only time I wore one Champions League. I wore one every every FA Cup final, apart from when I went and sat in the posh seats at Wembley, where you're not allowed to. But otherwise, I will always wear a replica shirt. Um, I remember in '97, I actually wore an Italy shirt, uh, as you do. 
obviously the Zola and the Matteo connection. Um, I, I, interesting what Jonathan was saying about the kits. I think in back in those days, there were kits, but they didn't have any badges on them. You had to sew the badges on yourself. Um, but I, I think that from memory, the, the first time that you notice that people wearing shirts, like a lot of people wearing shirts, I would say was in the mid to late 90s. When I think about the cup final in 97, a lot of people wearing replica shirts. Um, and obviously it's it's grown since then. I mean, it, it, it is interesting. And, and also the just the tourist thing, going back to that, it's not only tourists from overseas, but it's also tourists, like homegrown tourists, because I'll never forget, I, I was at a, a sort of a business meeting and, and, and one of the people uh, at the meeting my client was a Chelsea fan and it came up and and this guy was an agent, commercial agent, and, and he said, oh, I go to Chelsea. I said, he said, I've got a season ticket. I said, oh, great, but where, where's that? He said, um, it's in the, the stand that's named after the dead bloke. So, you know, Fred you get lots of that. Exactly. You get a lot of people who go to football because it's the thing to do with so it, it's not only overseas people and i think that because a lot of people have been priced out of it these days i think there's a lot more people at chelsea and not only chelsea but all over um who go maybe because their kids want to go but i've got no interest i mean for example mr michael gove sits not very far from us doesn't he when he when he goes so um yeah, so I think that there are different levels of tourism. I, I think, you know, back in the sort of 60s and 70s and 80s, that, that was not a thing. But I think that the more the prices went up, I think, the and, and, th and this also leads to the lack of atmosphere as well. Mm, I think it's a really good point that you make there, Clayton, because, you know, we know this and it's funny, isn't it, how it's so easy to deny it. But there's a there is a real industry in this country around you know, if you like homegrown football tourism, you're absolutely right. And if you've ever worked in London uh, and if you've ever worked or, or if you ever know anybody who works in the events industry, you'll know that, that there's a, a real industry around, you know, accessing tickets to big ticket events. And Chelsea, as I said, I think I think I'm right in saying that however you want to define football tourism, whether it's overseas or, or, or over here or whatever, I definitely think it started really, when we became a big-ticket item, which was when Roman brought us. But there you go. Now, Claire, Claire had her hand up. So Claire gets to ask a question. Okay, so um, it was a couple of weeks ago, and I think it was Jonathan who said a really excellent team needs to have two players for each position. So I started thinking, well, who are the two players for Ooh. each of our positions? And most of them I could identify, but there were a couple I got stuck on. So I wanted your thoughts. So I was thinking about Chilwell, and it's rumoured that both Emerson and Alonso might be going in January. So then is Dave back up left back as well as back up right back? Or maybe genuine right back, I don't know. And then the other one is Ziyech. Like, who, who's his alter ego? Harry Potter. <laughs> Merlin. <laughs> I see you're Harry Potter, and I give you Merlin. You know what? That's a really good question, Claire. I think what we should, it would take too long, otherwise it'd be a really fun thing to do is to, we could all write down our 24, but uh, 
I think I think I look one thing that this is kind of a general answer, but I think it might answer your question more specifically if you see what I mean. Because I think Jonathan's right in a sense, and I think the the the, the key to a title winning squad is to have you know equally good players as a as a twenty four. So each player has a has an equally capable replacement. But I think there was a slight change, and 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 I think this is reflected in who we've bought and what we've got. There's a lot more flex. And actually, funnily enough, I'll throw this in there because I was talking to Kerry Dixon uh, yesterday before the England match. And he was saying much the same thing, that we've got players who are incredible. Because I was having my usual argument with him about systems versus players. And uh, and he made the point that we've got a lot of players who are very flexible and who can play in a lot of different positions and a lot of different systems, which is a really you know, healthy and modern thing, I think. So, you know, you maybe you don't need to have a lot of the positions doubled up. Some of them clearly you do, but a lot of them you don't. So, for example, Timo Werner or Timo Werner, if you prefer, he can play wide, he can play central. You know, you've got Pulisic who can play as a number 10 and play wide. So you've got Mount who can play in the midfield or, or, or anywhere in the attacking three. So there's a lot of flexibility there. So whether you need to be, you know, rigorously have, you know, backup for each individual player, I'm not so sure. As long as you've got most of the bases covered and hope that not everybody gets injured at the same time. Does that does that make sense, Claire? It does. Sorry, I had muted myself. I know, that's all right. No. I gave you a bit of time. Jonathan's you... absolutely itching to come in and then Good I'll get mate. Alex in. Claire, thank you for quoting me. But in fact, it was I was actually originally quoting Peter Kenyon, who was um, um, obviously the uh, the managing director during the period that we won both league titles. And... And he actually almost managed to achieve that. But I think also what he was talking about was not necessarily winning the title. It was becoming an elite club again. And and his standards were unbelievably high. That's why he got rid of Good Johnson and he got rid of uh, Robin. And Robin was a dreadful error because Robin is one of my all-time favourite players. Completely brilliant for Real Madrid and uh, and especially Bayern Munich. And what a player we lost through not having him. Um, nobody ever managed to cope with his just cutting in and firing that one into the corner despite everybody making all the efforts he was he was very Zayech like in his ability to use his left foot to come in off the right wing um uh and in fact i i, I people talk about Zayech being some who apparently i'm listening to the moroccan game during the week briefly and it's was it zay zay was it Ziyech, they kept Ziyech. calling him. That's right, Ziyech. Ziyech. But um, uh, we were talking about, you know, Hazard-like, but he's not. He's very different for me, um, uh, Ziyech. Um, uh, I've lost I've lost my... Oh, yeah, so I'm talking about double. But no, I think this changes it slightly, as Chidge was saying, because of everybody's ability to play in other positions. But I think we mustn't underestimate some of the, the youth coming in as well. I think because we haven't talked about... Matson's not out on loan, is he? Yeah. Charles. He is. Charles. He is. Charles. Oh, which of course he is. Of course he is. Yes. So in fact, um, but we'll, we don't know whether Alonso, I think he's been playing Emerson, hasn't he, ahead of Alonso. And I mean, I, I personally am not a fan of either. I mean, I'm a fan of Alonso in the, in the, the, in the attacking formation in the, in the three at the back. Cause I think, I think he's proved his brilliance in the penalty area, but we've established he's just not a good enough defender. And for me, Chilwell achieves both. So that's, and so does so does James, who seems to have come on in leaps and bounds. But um, James, so James can play left back as well. Can he play left back oh. as well? Oh, well then. Therefore, we've got it. So perhaps 
perhaps in a sense we are dealing with having two players in every position um, in a kind of way, even if only 16 of them can play in two positions. But the idea was to try and get as many, in order to become elite again, which I think is what they're aspiring to do, is to get as many top players that can just be stuck into the mix. And we don't have a situation like we had the other day when there were five substitutes came on towards the end of the game and it all fell apart. Who was that against? Was it the Champions League? Wren. Wren. Wren against Wren, yeah, yeah, where you just yeah. thought... This team he's brought on now. Well, we we haven't quite good. we haven't quite got there. We're we're, we're you know there, no, no, few, we're, there, yeah. we're getting there. We're getting, getting there, there though. We're getting there. There's yeah. a few more buys to make now. Alex had his hand up slightly after you chipped in, J.K. So Alex, it'd be lovely to hear from you for the first time this evening. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Yeah, I do notice that we have a much deeper squad. I think everybody knows that. We bought a boatload of players. What's a bit different now is we've realized that losing a difference maker like Hazard makes things you know, very difficult. But now they do seem to have about three or four difference makers. You have Zayek, Mount can be a difference maker, Polacek can be a difference maker, and Werner can be definitely a, a difference maker. And then when you have two or three of them together at the same time, you know, that's a lot for, you know, when they're clicking, there's a lot for another team to, to handle, as Sheffield found out. Yeah, yeah. Clayton, Tony? Uh, yeah, no, I, I, think, I think we suffer, sorry, Tony, I think we've suffered in the last couple of seasons, especially last year, was not being able to break down teams who were banked up. And... Over the last half a dozen games, we've played a lot of teams who do that and it hasn't been a problem because you've got CH putting balls into really dangerous areas, um, people running at them. And I, I think it's only just going to get better. I mean, Havertz is is only just, you know, just beginning to adjust and he looks fantastic. Yeah, I, it's looking really good, really good. I wouldn't forget the, the influence of both Chilwell and James putting those fantastic crosses in, which I think yeah, has awesome. it as well. And also having somebody who takes corners now as well, that, mm. you know, they're, they're threats on goal, which in the last few seasons were just ridiculous, wasn't it? The, the lack of goals from corners and the dre poor old William, who I loved, nonetheless just couldn't take a corner to, to you know, save his granny. I mean, just ridiculous. Mm. Tony. Uh, yeah, I sort of agree with most of what people are saying here. I think for some years now, it's been uh, a squad game. And I think possibly Frank, um, having been the most recent player um, to sort of manage us, if you like, realises that. And I think he would have known, as most footballers do, that um, not many footballers would sit there and put their hand up if you said, how many of you can only play in one position? You, you probably wouldn't see a hand lift, uh, maybe a goalkeeper. The rest of them would be, no, I can play wherever because they want to be on that pitch. And they want to be playing on that pitch. And I think that the modern player is far more versatile. And, and, and I hate to say it, I think there are, there are people who think that 
that that isn't the way. They think they're only, you know, Pulisic can only play in one position. Why are we playing Havertz there and we can? We, he's, he's this. I don't agree. I think the players will. The, the, if the player doesn't think he can do justice to a position, he probably he might say, "Look, actually, no, I'm no good as a centre back or whatever." So I think that's what we're seeing, and I think it kind of goes back the first time I can remember really seeing it for us, if you like, was with the um, under Mourinho with the um, the Robin Duff switching wings, constantly tormenting defenders who thought, you know, some of them must have thought, right, I've got a measure of Duff, and suddenly they find themselves with Robin in front of them. Michael Essien at right back. <laughs> yeah, remember I, that I, I, Valencia away. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, I, I, European I, Cup final. I honestly yeah. believe players are not. It, most players would probably find it quite insulting to be pigeonholed into oh, he's a number ten. He's nothing else. Mm. You know, um, an Elka was another fantastic example of a of, of a man who was an out and out striker who kind of pushed back a little bit when he came to us, and yet he was a fantastic foil for Drogba because he knew where that ball should be. He he he, he could feed Drogba in. Like, you know, like not many other players could. And I, I, so I think when you say two people for every position, I, I actually think it's a bit more complex than that. What you have is a, a number of positions where people can play. And you only have to look at when the team's announced, right? A number of people say, oh, Mount can't play there. Can't they can't play there? Can't he might be at his best in the position that everyone thinks, but he's never really been a duffer anywhere else. And I, I just, I find it a bit frustrating because I sit there watching these players and thinking, actually, do you know what? They're, they're, they're pretty good where they are. Um, and, and I often said it, there are players who I've seen played out of their allegedly best position who've done such a fantastic job. I thought, well, why can't you? That should be your new job, mm. if you like. Um, if you think, think sorry to interrupt, they, they if you think of... better these days as well, I think. So they're, they're, if you move away from the 60s and 70s where they might well have been more pigeonholed into specific positions, they're far more educated. They're far more educated about the game, if not anywhere else. But they, you know, they're far more aware of, of the kind of tactical nuances and all this sort of stuff and what's expected of them. So I think, you know, I, I, I think we probably have, with a full squad, we probably have three or four for certain positions that could easily fit in. Clayton, can I? Sorry, just yeah, I was just going to say, it's interesting, and I, I, I completely agree. I mean, there's a couple of things I just want to raise up i can't remember the guy's name but if you read um fever pitch which i'm sure most of us has oh it was gus caesar they were basically making the point that gus caesar got dogs abuse everybody thought he was rubbish and all this that and the other and nick hornby was making the point that gus caesar was probably the best footballer in his school he was probably a brilliant youth team footballer etc so a lot of these footballers can play in more than one position Ida Johnson, when he dropped back from attack into sort of like a forward midfield player, was absolutely superb. But I think, irrespective of all of that, I think the, the, the way the game is played now, it's much more micromanaged. And I don't think pit players have got that um, licence to express themselves. I mean, if you go back, and I'm not knocking Sarri, this is just a, a, a I think more than any other manager and maybe Conte as well he micromanaged you had your place you had your position and that was it irrespective of what you could do anywhere else you weren't allowed to and I think there's a lot of that in football today 
Well, it's a very Italian thing, isn't it? And I, I just say to them, have they never heard of Rhinus Mickles and Total Football? Or actually, Vic Buckingham. Vic Buckingham invented Total Football, not the Dutch. Anyway, Ash uh, Pinto had a question. Hi there. Um, I wanted... Jonathan mentioned about corners being taken. <laughs> and I was reading, I guess, before the this international break or sometime in there, an article saying that Chelsea are uh, like top for set pieces when it comes to scoring goals so far this season. This season, and also on top of that, I read a, an article earlier today that uh, Zuma is the leading is leading in aerial battles this season out of all the defenders at like ninety six percent. He's won. So those are two things that are kind of. Completely different than the last few seasons for us. Huge improvement. JK, JK, before you answer that, I'm just going to a couple of things I want to say to Ash because I've got some stats here. And I know that's a rarity for me. But before I get into the stats, um, I'd just like to say that Ash is wearing an original Chelsea Fancast t shirt. Right. And you know, uh, there you go, modelled beautifully by Ash Pinto. There we go. And unlike me, his still fits him, which is even more impressive. Now, when Clayton was saying a minute ago that he wore an Italian shirt to the FA Cup final and uh, and he did wear colours to the Champions League final, I can reveal exclusively live on the Chelsea Fancast that I actually wore my Chelsea Fancast t-shirt, which I could just about fit into then, uh, to the Champions League final so that people would know who I was, obviously. There was no other reason. Uh, and it kind of worked. Anyway, the stats that I was promising you... That was definitely tumbleweed, J.K. Anyway, the stats I was telling you about... Yeah, about I, I laughed, I just You laughed. did, you did. You silently yeah. chuckled, I did notice. Right, here we go. Here's some stats I nicked off Twitter today. We've got 14 different goal scorers. That's across all competitions, the most in Europe. Two and a half goals per 90 minutes. That's first in the Premier League. Six set play goals, first in the Premier League. 48 shots on target, first in the Premier League. I don't agree with expected goals because that's a load of arse gravy. Uh, we've got 1,791 uh, Premier League minutes given to under-21 players. That's the most. It's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, JK, you can answer Ash's question. No. No? Corners. Yeah, but uh, um, he was quoting me. Oh, Why do he, I, I thought he was it? asking you a question. You didn't, did you, Ash? No, no, no. no did I get didn't. that horribly wrong? All right. Well, is anybody, if anybody's... I'm happy to answer a question, if you like, about corners. There's, no, no Daryl's got a question. How good, how good we were, how much better we got. We were both agreeing Yeah. how much we'd... How, how, what the improvement was. Sorry, Daryl, please. Daryl. Uh, right, evening, guys. Evening, mate. Um, I nicked this from the Evening Standard a little bit. But they were... Well, the headline was comparing James with Terence Trent. But um, and they were just asking, and, and they were they were just asking what price James on the open market, if we were to sell him, and do you believe he is now our first choice right back? Well, I'm going to pitch in first. I think he's a first choice right back for England and Chelsea. I can't I can't believe that twat Southgate didn't pick him. But anyway, um, I'm going to ask Dean this because Dean. You know, I, I'm t- trying to equal it out amongst us all. So, Dean? Uh, yeah, for me, he's definitely first choice. He's improvement in the last few weeks has you know, been phenomenal. JK was saying before, you know, he looks like a wingback because he can't really defend. And then all of a sudden, he's really switched that on. And, you know, 
if you're going to buy him, you know, I think you're looking at 75 million easily. Ash has just reminded me that I'm a twat, which is always worth being reminded. But um, he did point it's out that they did point out, he did point out that Rhys James was actually suspended for the match against Belgium. And I got confused because he played against Ireland, but of course that was a friendly, wasn't it? So thank you, Ash. You know, it always needs to be done. Put me back in my place. Um, yeah, so there we go. Anybody else want to talk about Rhys James, JK, Clayton, Tony? Yeah, Alex I does. Did... Alex, guess first. Sorry, Alex first, then you, JK. No, no, no. Well, remember, we were all sort of wringing our hands probably last call, if not the call before that, was... Uh... He's great going forward, but he seems to not understand that he has to defend. Um, and the transformation since Mendy and Thiago arrived, all of a sudden the puzzle fits. And um, when we used to accuse him like of being out of place when he was going up the wing, he seems to pick his spots far more now. So he's he's... Whether it's a conscious thing or whether it's just uh, because the, the you know the back five, including the keeper, are just you know fit for purpose. Um, but it's great to see because um, it's obviously great to see him going forward. But it's also nice to see him impose himself physically, which he definitely did against Sheffield. They got no change from him. He's a big unit. You know, apart from there was a lapse of concentration generally for the Sheffield goal. After that, they got no change from from him, which was great to see. I think. Yeah, I think. I think it's. it. Um, Sorry, go on, Tony. Go on, mate. in the corner as well, didn't he? Which uh, I can't remember. It was, it was a match of the day. Actually, picked it out and said, "That's what I like to see." Pogba. But it might, it might have been actually on Sky. Someone, someone said, "Look at him. He, he goes into the corner uh, and the player takes him down and Reece Jackson gets up, pushes him out of the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we got the free kick from which we scored, from yeah. which Thiago Silva scored. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it was fabulous to see. And I can't remember, but what, whoever it was, the pundit, said, that's what I like. Soonest, I would think. It might have been soonest, soonest. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the other interesting thing, I mean, in other, in other recent matches, I've heard, you know, whoever it was on, uh, on the commentary, whoever was doing the punditry on there, i.e. the ex-pro, saying exactly what you were saying Alex that that they they noticed how well uh James picks that moment to go forward and to not go forward and i and i totally agree with what you're saying and i think you know it just shows you we can't make snap judgments in this game and i think one of the things that's pissed me off most about this season is the way that the media fueled by the need for 24/7 coverage 24/7 coverage you know, make snap decisions and judgments. And yet anybody with half a brain cell knew that, you know, for the first kind of six, eight matches of the season, we weren't playing with, the, the, the you know, most of the players that Frank had bought. You know, it takes time to gel together. The most important uh, unit that you have to establish on the pitch is arguably the defence. And then when you've got Reese James, you've got Ben Chilwell, Thiago Silva, you've got um, Zuma, and you've got Mendy as your back four, five even, then it's going to look better. But it's also, of course, having that consistency on who plays in front of them as well. They have to get to know how each other plays. I'm going to make a prediction here and now that that James will absolutely cement uh, the uh, the right back spot this season, and we'll see. We'll see. Aspie playing less and less and less and less. He's going to be Chelsea's first choice right, uh, right, left, uh, right back this season. Yeah. I think 
but he's streets ahead already of, of Dave yeah. because Dave's it's not a very good prediction then really is it no, not really <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm the kind of bloke who puts 10 quid on the team to win after the results come in you know but no but I, I think it's wonderful <laughs> testament to the fact that he's taken he, he, he's not taken what we've said to him on board but clearly we were just echoing what what they were noticing on the side of the pitch because he would go missing the first few games of the season. He was slow in getting back and he was missing his marker. And then suddenly he's just got better and better, which I think is testament to his excellence that he's, he's taken it all on board, whether he's clearly been coached terribly well, but the fact that he's, he's accepting it and acting on it has made him into an absolutely excellent fullback. And particularly with those similar crosses, I keep going on about it. I've been doing it you know, since Liverpool won the title, that their one of them their major thing was the two fullbacks getting forward with these unbelievable crosses. And Chelsea have now got three people who put in well, even Mount can do it, so that's four absolutely fantastic crosses. Um, with that kind of dipping stuff that uh, that is that the, the defense just can't cope with. It's completely outstanding. So not only we've always thought he could do that, but it has been the defensive aspect, which he just seems to have appreciated. He seems to have um, improved 100%. So uh, uh, I really take my hat off to him as a... As a it okay. definitely helps that the defence is not schizophrenic. And no, indeed, indeed. Absolutely. A, a lot of that, again, we don't dislike the players that are no longer there, but they weren't fit for purpose. <laughs> so. Right. Uh, Daryl, you, you had your hand up, mate. Um, I'm just seeing what people think. Obviously, now the defence is playing a lot better as a unit. Would you trust Kepper in goal? Oh God, no! Him. Help! What? No! Help. No! Uh, I well, think he was. We, we spoke about this on the fan cast a few times. I think he was part of the problem of the leaky or the lack of concentration that was going on in defence because they didn't know what he was doing. They didn't have the mm. faith in him, and so the. We, I, I think even J.K. agreed with this. One of the points we did, did agree on was the defenders end up overthinking everything because they're trying to keep the ball away from a, a, a goalkeeper who is doesn't command his box, doesn't shout, doesn't do anything really, except sort of stay rooted to his line or, or whatever. And I, I, just, I, I, I think he's a busted flush. I, I, I hope we can get a loan for him so that we can try and recoup some money for him. But I just don't see a future for him at Chelsea um, when we've seen what difference a, uh, a much more... Uh, aggressive is probably the wrong word, but a much more assertive goalkeeper can make to that defence. I, I I I think there's no way in hell he gets back in unless Mendy gets injured. Yeah, well, I, I, there's only one person, no, no disrespect to anybody else here, but there's only one person I want to talk to about this, and that's Mr. Goalie59. Uh, uh, no, he, he never plays for us again. Even even wow. if Mendy um, is injured, then um, Willie comes in. Or the, thing, Petter, the thing is... Petter, Petter comes in. What? Petter comes in. Who? Petter or Petter comes in. He looked very good in training, didn't he? Those photos that were on, on the, the internet yesterday. No, I, th- I think the thing is that uh, it's going to be hard to believe, but I don't think Kepper is as dreadful a goalkeeper as um, he has been. Uh, but his confidence is gone and nothing but nothing um, is going to change. Well, what about uh, what about a loan out and to get it back then? No. Why, no. why I not? Don't, I don't, because I, I don't think... How else do you get your that... confidence back? Yes, but but not to then come back with us. Really? To go elsewhere. No. I don't think that's... I don't think that there's any way that he could come back. I think because the whole attitude to the players he's played with, 
um, it's all about confidence. And, and as you said, one of the interesting stats was that in the league last year, we conceded the second fewest amount of shots on goal. Yeah. Uh, behind Manchester City, or pro- no, probably behind Liverpool. Um, but we let in shed loads of goals. The the thing is with Kepper and, and is is it's deceptive because you can't actually say he's made a huge air ricket. I mean, obviously that Southampton goal was just a joke. But if you just think about goals that he let in, but there are so many shots which he should have saved and. I think the, the the writing was on the wall um, against Brighton. I think, you know, we're glad. Well, I was glad he was back. He was given a set, you know, good opportunity. Um, he tried to be assertive in the first half. And then basically he lets in a shot, which 19 out of the 20 goalkeepers in the Premier League would save. He's... Um, it, it, it's not only him, it's the effect he has on everybody else. I mean, that second goal that we conceded against Southampton was just complete panic and, and everybody cocked up. Mendy is is basically offered us um, just consistency. He's offered us confidence. He's confident and the players that play in front of him are confident. Kepa's, you know, he needs to leave the club. I don't perceive that if he has a loan, does brilliantly, that he comes back and he does it. I think I think we we basically talked about it a couple of weeks ago that I think initially um, getting Mendy in was looked as short-term. Now it doesn't look short-term anymore. It looks... Solution. I mean, it's really early days, but it, it, I don't think no, it's he looks a, the a real deal. Thing. He looks the real deal, mate. There's no doubt yeah, about that. Yeah, he does. He does. Uh, Alex, you had you had your hand up before I brought Clayton in. Can you remember? I, what? I'm, I'm, again, I've said before, I have nothing against him personally. He's he, he probably tried very hard, which is why Frank probably persisted. Um, but he was uh, what Sari saw in him that you would apply to a Premier. I mean. Now that we have Mendy and you see a big, physically imposing Premier League owns his box player. And a perfect example of where, where Mendy um, kept us on track, where Kepa would have, was when Burnley's Barnes broke through. And he was one, and then Mendy was off his line. You know, he didn't save it, but he put Barnes off enough. And Kepa would have probably stayed on his line. Maybe he would have opened his legs and let him. Put it through it. Well, he probably would have come as far, you know, when he finally decided to go, he probably would have got as far as like the six yard box, which is, you know, might as well just say, please score. Mm. Whereas, whereas, whereas Mendy used this whole physical, you know, I mean, Mendy obviously plays knowing he's a big bloke and he is as big as the centre forwards that he will come up against. Yeah. Like, he's as big as Barnes was. Barnes is a big bloke, but Barnes obviously, you know, he had to think twice and suddenly he's faced with this big green wall of, you know, Mendy. Whereas, you know, Kepa's, you know, you, you, you're only aware that he's there when he's picking the ball out of the net. And it's just, well, well, when, you know, he, when he's again, biting your ankles. He's got a diminutive oh, wow. personality, I mean, hasn't he? He's got a diminutive personality as well, Kepa. You can see Mendy. I absolutely agree with you. When that came through, I thought he's going to foul him. He doesn't need to foul him. He's just present. He's absolutely there. Yeah. And Barnes, Barnes panicked. You could see yeah, Barnes yeah. actually. Totally. Yeah. You would never have seen that with Kepper because even though he's a large guy, he doesn't think himself that he can actually get into that position to stop the player from scoring. Right. 
It's a very different state of men uh, but mental. Because right, looking on television, you think surely Barnes is going to score. Oh yeah. bloody hell! And Mendy's just yeah. on it. He didn't. He didn't. You know. He just. I, I think he's our solution. I'll say it now. Oh, I, I really do. And I think I think the difference the difference is is of course that Petr Cech was massively involved in signing him, and that gives me huge confidence going forward. Whereas we all know that Kepper was a panic buy, and it, well, I think a very rare occasion it has to be said, but a rare occasion where Marina Granovskaya got got conned basically. Now um, I'm going to move it on because I got a, a actually well I've got a question. Uh, from Ken, the lovely Kenroy Justin, Justin even, who WhatsApp me earlier in the week. Kenroy, as you may or may not know, uh, is uh, is in Saint Lucia, and uh, he's, he's there's an open invite which still exists for me and Jonathan to join uh, Kenroy in Saint Lucia and taste the local rum. Are you in, J.K.? Oh, I'd love to. Just think, you and me in Saint Lucia, mate. We'd, I tell you, we'd 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 run riot, mate. I don't drink. I'd, I'd be pissed after just half a glass. You just have to breathe it, man. Well, indeed. But what, what's the use of having me along? I'd just be. Uh, well, no, because you, you can get the, you can organise the cabs for me, Tony. Tony, Tony can take I, my place. I, well, just going to throw my hat in the room because I I do drink. Yeah. B, I do like a cigar with you. Yeah. B, yeah. I have room with you before. So I'm yeah. just saying, if okay. you need. Yeah, come off the bench here. He can be my replacement. I think I think we should actually have our our summer Chelsea fancast board meeting in St Lucia. What do you reckon? <laughs> I'm up for that. All right. I've anyway. been, been there before. Yeah, me just... too. No, I've I've many I times loved it. I loved it. My yeah. spiritual home, the Caribbean. Anyway, uh, right, Kenroy, the lovely Kenroy, who I love to bits, and he says uh, this is this is brilliant. <laughs> I think I think the first bit of this is something he found on Twitter. I don't think this is him, but the statement reads as follows: Given the form of Werner. Abraham and Ziesch, does Pulisic get back into the team when fit? In my opinion, no. Abraham has done very well as the number nine, dropping deeper and interchanging with Werner, and it's allowed Chilwell to blossom. Kenroy writes, uh, I fully agree with this, especially considering Abraham's form and Pulisic's fitness record. As much as possible, Pulisic should be restricted to one start a week. We can afford, excuse me, Guinness repeating on me, we can afford to do it a bit too. Either manage him intelligently or lose him to injuries forever. It's an easy choice. Now, to flesh that out a little bit, um, I have been singularly impressed uh, with Tammy Abraham, one of the many of these brilliant Chelsea youngsters, James uh, and Mount, obviously, as well, who, in the face of very, very, very stiff competition with world-class players coming to the club or at the club already, have have risen to the challenge and up their game and got better and and I and and this this is not I think the media never mentioned this, you know, we all know because of course we we're, we're you know we've been going for years and years and years all of us and and I remember when Frank Lampard joined the club overpriced overrated fat, uh, lamppost and all the rest of it, but worked his bollocks off to become a better player. Jose Jose Mourinho comes in, Frank, I'm going to make you the best midfielder in the world. Yes, please, boss. Okay. Gets even better, plays even Every year, we brought a brilliant midfielder, Michael Essien, uh, Michael Ballack. Every year, Frank upped his game and got better and was better than them. So if Frank's our current manager and he's instilling that kind of attitude into our young homegrown players, absolutely bloody fantastic. And I'm seeing evidence of that with, with, uh, with, with Tammy Abraham, who I think is fantastic. And I love this kid to pieces. Now, I think Kenroy makes a really interesting point about Pulisic because I think Pulisic was the best of best player last season by a mile for us. I thought he was wonderful. But there's clearly 
clearly some sort of an injury worry about him. You know, is he going to be? Is he a bit of a robin? Is he? Is he got glass ankles? Tony, I know, I think shares my worry on this because it would be a real shame if his if his Chelsea career doesn't blossom like it should because of the talent that he has. So, I, and I don't know the answer to that. Maybe Ken Roy's right. Uh, maybe protecting him is the right answer. Maybe letting him get over this current injury and not play him until he's fully fit is the answer. I, I, I don't know the answer, but I worry because I think this kid has got so much talent and, and I, and I want to see it blossom at Chelsea, but I'm worried about his fragility, Tony. Well, we had, I'm going to, I'm going to do a comparison here, which some people might like, but yeah, um, Robin was quite similar. He, he, yeah. He had a reputation. Well, he, he wouldn't play class. if he broke a fingernail, would he? Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, he was ultimately. I mean, it's well documented that Mourinho uh, was the one who fell out with with Robin. You know, with the shouting down the tunnel. Uh, no more Dutch. No more Dutchmen. No more Dutchmen. Um, and and yet, you know, we we know that that was a a, a dreadful error, and that really some of these players just need to. Uh, I get, you know, there's a commercial pressure on you. Paid big money for this player. You've got um, the the big ties back to the states, you know, for merchandising, etc. Um, you know, Captain America, and that sort of stuff. I, I think it. I would hope that someone's got some balls in the club to say, until he's fully fit, he doesn't go out. He doesn't go out if he's got a twinge. If his toenail hurts, he doesn't go out. Let's get him 100% fit. I don't believe he's made a glass. I think he's just had a, a, a shit run of bad luck. Players get that. Um, and, and for those old enough, you remember it's a, a very good uh, uh, player back in the, what was it, 70s, 80s, Stuart Pearson, who was another one who... Pancho. Just had a, yeah, but he just had a, a completely rotten run of luck. And, you know, that's back in the days when it was like, you know, uh, we're going to get you playing this week. We're going to give you a jab in the knee. Boom, out you go, you know. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to return to that. I, I think Pulisic is is going to be a, a fantastic addition to us, and and I don't think it's a question of, you know, if he comes in, who goes out. Frank's got a, a selection headache around those players. Then great. Um, I, I'm with you 100 percent on Tammy Abraham. His attitude this season has been absolutely outstanding, um, and you were with me in the cock when we spoke to Ian Titchener's uh, young uh, when he spoke to his lad about when he was doing the photo shoot for the stuff or whatever. And what a great attitude Mount, um, Abraham and Reese James all had. They are Chelsea boys. They come up through the academy. They love the club. They, they There is no badge they would rather be wearing than that. And I think Pulisic would fit in with that. He, he's got a, you know, he, it's, again, it's, it's a kind of stereotyping thing, but we all know the can-do attitude that American people have. Yeah. Um, I, I think he'd be quite insulted Um It'd be quite his nose would be put out of joint if he thought people were sitting there going, "Oh, he's made a glass. No, he's not going to make it." You know, it, it, we can't risk him for more than one game a week. I, that, he doesn't strike me as being that sort of player. Rest him. We don't need him at the moment. Make sure that he's hundred percent fit. Give him a complete clean bill of health, and let's see where he goes from there. Mm. It, it's tough. This is his. Is, this is his first season, isn't it? Probably Second. didn't play for us last season, did he? He did. Yeah. Did he? Yeah. But not for the whole season. No, because he? he was out injured a lot. So is this is his first winter period? He's going in. No, I mean, it's not going to get any no, no, easier. No, he was he was with us last season. Yeah, I I I I've got a lot of faith in him. I think you know again it fits into that whole system of having 
you know, six, seven, eight players who who are interchangeable around the pitch in different positions and not have the Twitterati screaming down people's necks saying, you shouldn't be playing such and such there. Bollocks. If they're good enough, they get on the pitch. That's that. So I, I, I don't agree with, with, with our friend there. I don't think we should, you know, do that. I'm sorry I laughed, Tony. It wasn't at you. I've just seen a question that's come in from, from Mixler. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to get on with it now. Um, I'm, going to ask, I'm going to ask Dean this one, <clears throat> and the rest of us, of course. But, uh, <laughs> before, yeah, yeah, you've seen it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah before, before uh, I get Dean to answer the question, I'm going to ask it to him first. Then, but I want, he's got something to plug, which I want him to talk to us about. But uh, Bingu... Bingu, I think that's Bingu, says, uh, thoughts on Conor Gallagher, lads. Um, but anyway, before you answer that, I've got something to say on that, because weirdly, I was bored on Saturday and I watched the England under-21s. No, you know, notable, because, of course, we had hudson Adoy playing and Conor Gallagher. Uh, and who else? We had lots of uh, Chelsea ex-players and current players playing. Anyway, so, Dino, what do you think of Conor Gallagher? I think he's another one of the uh, academy players that's got you know, fantastic potential. You know, I see him being somebody that can play that, you know, number eight role in midfield, like sort of like Havertz, and providing that competition to him. You know, he's had loans in the Championship, which have gone very well. His first one in the Premier League is left sorry, with left Brom. He sort of needs to prove himself at this level, whether it's this season or another season on loan, and then look to come back in the squad. But you know, every one of the players that come through that academy is a fantastic footballer. You know, that's. You know, evident in what they do at youth level. You know, it's whether they can provide, you know, produce that at senior level once they get that, you know, experience, you know, they get their hands dirty, they start facing up with, you know, senior pros that have been there and done it and can keep them in the air for 90 minutes, whether they can still showcase their talent in that stage. But I think, you know, he's definitely one that we should be looking at getting back into the, you know, the first team squad in the next couple of years. Mm. I did watch him, as I said, in, on Saturday against uh, Andorra for England under-21s, and I thought he was superb. I really do. He's he's not... I don't think he's... Like, he's not a Havertz-type player. He's not a Mount-type player. Do you know, i tell you who he reminds... He's more of a Brian Robson-type player. Sorry, Dino, before your time, but... That's your hero, though, Chief. Oh, do you know what? I, 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 I don't... I almost feel ashamed to say this as a Chelsea fan, but when I was growing up, Robbo was my hero, mate. I tell I just... I loved... If if I could have been a footballer, I'd have loved to have been Brian Robson. You know, he was everywhere. And he, he could score goals. He could kick the shit out of people. He was box to box. He was the leader. He had a very dodgy perm, it has to be said. But then they all did in those days. But a really lovely bloke. And one of the highlights of my life was getting to interview him and asking him if he remembered seeing the, pan, the, the bear. Was it a panda? I can't remember. Uh, blowing a trumpet in the Chinese State Circus when they went on tour with Brom. But anyway, that story's for another day. Dino, you were gonna you, you you're gonna plug something, and it's not a panda blowing a trumpet, is it? No, it's not. Um, yeah, so it's sort of my own podcast, so to speak. Um, what? What? Yeah, flying solo. You know, I wanted um, to make a concerted effort this year to sort of try and follow the the women's team a bit more. And um, you know, I like listening to podcasts. You know, I listen to shows I'm not on. I listen to some other ones as well that are not as good as ours, obviously. <laughs> you you said that like you had to say that. <laughs> Is that your arm up for your back there? Yeah, yeah. 
I feel like Doctor Evil with the my finger on the button of the chair that you know tilts back and you end up in a pool of sharks or something. You know. <laughs> Sorry, go on, Dean. Yeah, I expect my cousin um, Jamie's going to do the podcast with me. She goes well when you can home and away to the to women's game. And I said, you know, what podcast you listen to? And she said, well, actually, I don't know. There is one. So you know, I said, well, why don't we do it then? So you know, it's sort of me sort of navigating my way to sort of learning about the women's team and just having someone that knows about you know that side of the club and being at those games um, to sort of to help me through it. So yeah, looking forward to starting that very soon. All right. Well, sounds great, mate. I think you and I should have a, a chat about that because I might be able to help. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I, I mean, over and above what you already do for the website, you're a, you're an incredibly valuable member of this team, and you are the pinup boy of the Chelsea fancast, as we all know. So there you go. Um, right. I've got. I've now got this uh, this question. Uh, Valky does my head in. He really does, Tony, and he's true to form in this one. This is brilliant. <laughs> this is just just brilliant he says what's the most unique piece of chelsea memorabilia you have i have found a blow-up rude hollet doll in chelsea cause kit i have i think he means i have a blow-up rude hullet doll in chelsea cause kit is is it a human adult size or just a little one you've got a potential buyer there valky jonathan's expressing <laughs> an interest is well, it, just because Hullet, Hullet's my favourite player ever. Is it real life and made to measure, I think, is what Jonathan is asking. <laughs> Sorry, that's what I meant. Sorry, you expressed it better than me. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jesus Christ, Valky, that's that's brilliant. Uh, OK, uh, well, go, Jonathan, what's your favourite bit of memorabilia? Uh, the tricky one, I've got so much. Um, I just keep things and stick. I think my rattle, my uh, my, which I must get out. I've still, it's, it's accessible in here. Yeah, um, you rattle out for the lads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you rattle out for all the you lads. Couldn't take, you couldn't take it to a game now. It'd be a, it would be considered a, um, oh, yeah. a legal instrument, wouldn't it? it would they'd, make you, they'd make you take it apart before you walked in. Yeah, you'd have to, which, of course, it would all fall apart because it's painted in blue and white airfix. You know, they used to paint it on... Uh, I've on seen a picture plastic. of it. Yes, that's right. I've got to show you a picture yeah, of it. Yeah, still yeah. works, still works. But at the same time, I really do... I'm very, very fond of my... Um, 1973, um, the the, the third away kit, uh, um, Hungary scarf, because I used to wear that with great joy to games. And it um, uh, it was a kind of you could get away with with it at at, at some away games because people wouldn't understand what on earth you were wearing because it was red, white and green. But Chelsea fans knew what it was. Yeah. So uh, it, it kind of singled you out. I like that. It was a kind of interesting uh, question, isn't it? That one? mystery to it. Yeah, yeah. Who came up with that? I mean, you know. The, yeah, Chelsea Balky. I've got to say, that's. Uh, yeah, that I tell you what, it's, it, I mean, I, I'll do mine last because I've got loads. Tony, what's your favourite bit? I've got three three things. Memorabilia. I don't know so much about that. I, I'd say the first one I've got is a. Uh, is is my and I wore it on the fan cast the other week, which is my um my double sided Chelsea shirt that must have had Ken Bates apoplectic with rage that there was this double sided shirt that you could turn inside. It was two shirts in one, and they charged the price of one. I mean, he must have there must have been sackings or beheadings going around Stamford Bridge for that. You know, we know what a what a bloody money-grabbing bastard Bates was. Um, so the fact that someone slipped that past him and was selling that in the shop, and I'm, I am I actually had two. I've down to my last to one now, but the double-sided shirt. The second one 
uh, is a, a shirt a mate of mine who's a Pompey fan won in a raffle, um, and it's signed by the team. And I've got it uh, in a in 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 upstairs in one of the cupboards. And I've never really decided whether I want to sell it or what. It, uh, the only really decipherable signature on it that's easy to make out is Celestine Babayaro. Um, uh, the rest of them, I think I'd have to do intensive Google research to find out who the other players were. It would be players of around that time, but um, it, it, it's hard to read. I think my favourite piece is a, I'm going, probably going back about eight, nine years now, and it's a white puffer jacket with a hood on it, right? Uh, you could walk to the North Pole in it and you would be sweating, right? It is in, absolutely impenetrable by cold. It's fantastic. And since I bought it, I think I've worn it twice because that's the only two times we've ever had weather that would be cold enough to warrant it. Um, it's glorious. It's a proper big, like the old managers used to wear, like a big puffer, big white one. Absolutely Does it have a, a, a Chelsea badge on it? Yes, got Chelsea badge on it. Yes, very discreet as well. But it's fantastic. But uh, I, I, I shit you not. It would you wouldn't need an igloo if you were an Eskimo. Oh, brilliant. sorry, brilliant. Uh, Clayton, it's a really difficult question. I, I've got so much. I, one of these dreadful people, who can't throw anything away. Um, I think. I mean, I've got thousands of programs and ticket stubs and just general crap. Um, one of well probably if i if uh, if i had to pick one thing i have a signed peter bonetti um poster which my dad got on uh the evening of uh his testimonial dinner uh so that's great um i've got my replica peter bonetti shirt uh which i've had for years um which i bought as an adult not one of the ones for the kids that obviously would now probably fit my arm. Um, uh, I th yeah, I think that those those are sort of my favourite things. I mean, it's just, it's difficult. I mean, just looking at all the sort of programmes, when we moved house, I was sort of debating whether to sell them. And of course I didn't. And I was just looking through those. And I think that they're just great. Just, you know, going back to the 60s and 70s, um, some really good good stuff in those but yeah i'd say that that's those, those are my favorite uh bits of memorabilia do you know i think you know it's got to be um cult fiction uh, how a year under terror almost tore chelsea apart by dean miss <laughs> available on amazon <laughs> is it is it is it a good read dean it's a short read, read. <laughs> is it good is it good you you recommend it would you well, i haven't actually read it yet I'm new. Okay. Okay. Right, okay. Who's, it, who's, it, who's it by again? <clears throat> I don't know. Some bloke called Dean Mears. Oh yeah, Dean Mears. Yeah, he's the, wi the women's podcast bloke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. The favorite, he's the pinup. Can I just say briefly? I've just remembered. I've got two things which I despair. One of which is my dad got me, which is a a football signed by the 1967 uh, losing cup final team, and uh, I've still got it, and I never varnished it, and it's wizened, it's and wizened. all the. It's wizened. It's gone down to practically nothing, and all the signatures have faded, and I, I can't believe it. But I, I didn't look after it. You know, I didn't look after it because they lost. Yeah, well, it doesn't and, count. Uh, and, it was, and it was a miserable day. I threw me. away all the or any cup final that we went to. I lost. I threw away threw away the program in disgust, like Jose with his medals. Nah. 
Yeah, right, I've exactly. got I've got so much memorabilia. I, I don't know where to start, but I've got some weirdly esoteric ones that I'm really really fond of. I've got I've got uh, I did an article on Frank Lampard for CFC UK and an article on Joe Cole for CFC UK, and and they both signed the articles, and I've got I've got them framed. I'm not going to leap over and show you because I haven't actually put them up yet, but um, they're very special. The Kerry Dixon mini banners that we've got, as you as as you know, if you're a member of Patreon, you should have your own copy. If you haven't got your own copy, you need to message me and say, Chidge, I do not have my signed Kerry Dixon mini banner. Please send it to Ulaanbaatar and reverse the post charges or whatever, you know. Um, but he wrote a really, a very individual message on that, which is very special to me. I've got the first bit of memorabilia I got was... Um, a framed photograph of the 1965 Chelsea team that won the League Cup final, which we bought in... I was living, I think, in Lots Road at the time, and I'd just kind of met Sarah, my wife, and we were wandering down Kings Road, and there's a kind of a, a, a funny kind of antique type, you know, sells pictures and stuff, very near a, a restaurant called Made in Italy. And... Um, we walked in there and I just I fell in love with this print. I said, I've got to have that because it was the year I was born. I mean, I, obviously, it was, I'd never seen that team play, but it, it kind of meant something. And then we got talking to the bloke and apparently um, he'd got it in a house, you know, when, when somebody dies and they do a house clearance and then they often, you know, flog the contents to a junk shop. And that's kind of what it was. And he said, oh, this is a house clearance. We got it as part of a house clearance. And we had an entire collection of Chelsea programmes. And uh, some bloke came in and bought that. And I said, oh, who was that? I said, it was Ken Bates. So he mm. bought the... But he didn't buy the picture, so I got the picture. But do, do they have the little mugs? Because they got given no, mugs. No, no, it was just... A, it was a team photo. Team photo, It's okay. like a line-up. Um, I just love all of that, the fact they actually... Nobody got given a medal. You got given a mug for winning the league. Yeah, cup. I know, no, I know. A, a pint, it, a it, was, it was a tankard, yeah. yeah. Very appropriate for the time, of course. Um, the first bit of memorabilia I got was my I, I bullied my wife into doing it. We went to dinner with some friends on Valentine's Day and I'd been really good and done the whole flowers, chocolate, romance type thing and she had done absolutely nothing. And uh, we went out to dinner and there was a bloke there, a lovely bloke, who used to be a badminton international for England and become a coach. And he had been coaching at Chelsea to get them to run on their tiptoes, as it were, Anyway, he had a signed Franco Zola shirt. And, you know, he and I ganged up on my wife and and bullied her into buying it from him. Now, as you know, you can probably buy, you know, replica shirts these days signed by the, you know, the player for a couple of hundred, 300 quid. She paid 700 quid for this thing. I know. I mean, this is going back over, I don't know how long ago it was. I mean, it's over 20 years ago, but even so, she overpaid like Billio, out of pure guilt, I have to say. But my favourite, favourite bit of Chelsea memorabilia is kind of really weird. It's this. It's uh, it's Peter Osgood's autobiography by uh, the wonderful Martin King and Martin Knight. And uh, I, I interviewed him uh, shortly before he died for a TV programme I made. And he was just absolutely lovely. <clears throat> and I, I've told the story, you know, for CFC UK and many others. I, I won't bore you stupid with that again. But obviously I took the book along so I could get him to sign it. And it was my birthday, I hasten to add. 
And I did this great interview with him. He was supposed to be there for an hour. He stayed two, and it was just brilliant. Really just loved talking to him, even though I never really saw him play for Chelsea. Anyway, he, he compared me to Des Lynham. When he, he said, you're really good, you are. You're just like being interviewed by Des Lynham. He said, I thought, oh, shut up, you know. Anyway, he signed it. He signed this. And this is why it means so much. He said, to David, best wishes and well done. Uh, from Aussie, which just absolutely breaks my heart, you know. But I, I don't know if you can see that. There you go. You see that? There you go. So that's my that's my favourite bit of memorabilia because sadly Aussie died literally two or three months. Uh, you know, maybe, actually it was it was a bit longer than that. It was about six months after we did the interview, but it's one of the last interviews he gave for TV. But that means an awful lot, even though I never really saw him play. He's still such a legend at Chelsea. It would be kind of rude not to. Uh, right. Um. I'm going to put you all on the spot here because I'm going to say one more question. And I, I'm, actually, I'm, I'm going to allow two because we haven't heard from Ash, who we're going to hear from now. And we haven't heard from Leicester, who's sitting there nursing a pint. But we'll have one from Ash and then one from Leicester. And then we're going to wrap it up. And I've got a competition announcement winner to give. Yes, yes, Walter Rotten's book. We've got to do that before we go home. Anyway, Ash. Ash as in Ash Simpson, by the way, not Pinto. <laughs> Hi there. Yeah, I was just wondering, who do you, what Chelsea player do you think looked wrong in a Chelsea kit? You know, which players have we signed? And you think, how long have you got, Ash? Pardon? How long have you got? (laughs) (laughs) I'm more thinking, sort of, for me, like a couple spring to mind, something like Emmanuel Petit or Paul Parker. They Mm. were just Arsenal and United players. They just looked strong wearing blue. So, yeah, is there any. When you think you don't look right wearing a Chelsea kit. Yeah, I, there are so many, actually, aren't there? I mean, do you know what? It's funny, isn't it? Go go with your gut instincts, OK? My my first gut instinct would be a toss-up between Bolo Zenden and uh, Yossi Benayoun. Never, ever felt comfortable with him playing for us. Just didn't wasn't right for so many reasons. West Ham, Liverpool, not right. So those, those would be my two. Uh, Dino? When he signed, I think Fabregas. Ah, yeah. But he's obviously grown everyone with these performances. Good shout. Veron as well. Yeah, Veron. Yeah. I loved Veron. I thought I thought Veron was misunderstood. I always felt that he was so good that nobody else could be on his wavelength, which is why when he used to pass the ball, it went into touch. That goal at Anfield. Yeah, when he was oh, yeah, it was great. But when he was brought on in the semi-final at Monaco, it was disastrous. Yeah, but the whole bloody thing was a shit show, wasn't it? Was, yeah. Who's your choice, JK? Derek Kevin. <laughs> Never ever worked. <laughs> Never worked. Brilliant. What's that? Sorry, JK? What's that? What? Who's that? Derek Kevin. Oh, signed oh. from West Brom in 19, uh, 1963 by, by Tommy Doherty to play in the second division. Could not. He just stumbled about like an idiot. And uh, so they sold him. He played him in the 7-0 against Portsmouth and he scored, but he just didn't fit in. And then they sold him to Everton and he scored 30 goals. It's a completely different way of playing because he was used to, uh, it's more like it, you know, punt, kick it up, punt it up and run after it. But no, just big centre forward. And that was, a that was a, he just didn't look right to me. You know, I, 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 love, I love what Ash has done with this because it's, it, when, he, when, he, when he first started asking this question, my, my mind immediately raised to, Slavisi Yakanovic, but actually, I don't think that's what Ash was asking. Yeah. Ash was asking, yeah. as, as Dean really, I thought Dean's choice in Fabregas was spot on. Who was just like so wrong to be at Chelsea because you associate them 
with another team so hugely. I thought Ash nailed it with that. And was it Paul Parker and... Um, Petit. Petit. Petit, yeah. yeah, absolutely bang on with that. Tony? This is a, that's a really tough call because... Good good shout, though. Yeah, he, he, two the two players that sort of spring to mind are... Well, but he turned out to be such a bloody brilliant player for us. But Mark Hughes... Um, no, no! Well, he, <laughs> players, no when, he first came, no. when he first came, when he first came, I thought, bollocks, you're a United player, go away. <laughs> but I'm a football fan, so I don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I adopted a particular partisan view that he had no place in our club. And of course, he shoved those words back down my throat. And I've, that's so I've they get more admiration for me for that. But the other one who I never thought fitted, I still don't think fitted, and is probably the laziest little shit bastard ever to put a Chelsea shirt on. Oh, now that's Paul Quadrado to mind. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was absolutely abysmal. Um, and one of the worst I've ever seen. But, uh, and this is also going to be unpopular just because I actually thought he was just a lazy shit. And that was Deco. I just used to sit there oh. and the I saw his name on the team sheet, I'd go, Oh, well, someone's coming. You know, the people that accused... There are people on Twitter accused Hazard of being a bit of a... No, uh, no, no. Uh, Only Sid, let's be fair. Well, yeah. But <laughs> I, I'm not joking. Deco, for me, used to come on. He put no effort into anything. He was lazy. Uh, he was he was, he, he was just there for the, the last... The, the twilight of his career money. So, there you go. So, Mark Hughes proved me wrong. Deco, I stick by that. Yeah, and Quadrado, well, I just think he's he's in that little box in the vault somewhere of Chelsea players that should never be mentioned again, as far as I'm concerned. Fair enough. I have a terrible memory of him on the um, on the, uh, the on the the, the coach at the, at the top with the with the trophy, Quadrado. Just sitting, yes. Like, like, and thinking, I was thinking, what the fuck are you doing up there? You did absolutely nothing. <laughs> Completely fraudulent, isn't it? Really? Yeah, completely, completely. I mean, I still love the fact that 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 Swinger, you know, stole <laughs> stole the entire glory. I think Ankalu, wasn't it? Stole the entire yeah. glory from the. Every yeah. time we look at the Champions League celebration photograph, bloody um, um, uh, Maluda and Bosswinger are like in in the front, and and JT and Lamps are knowing it anyway. Clayton. Uh, anybody that we buy from Tottenham. Mark Falco came into my head a bit. Yeah, he he came on loan for a month and only played three games out of the four that was available. And he was rubbish. Mickey Hazard. Yeah, but Mickey Hazard um, was a good player, mate. I like Mickey Hazard. Yeah, but he never, he never looked right in a Chelsea shirt. And, of course, Graham Roberts. Yeah, Graham Roberts, I was going to say. No, no, that's not fair, Clayton. That's not fair. Because uh, Hazard was just... You wouldn't play him. And he, he, he Hazard was wonderful. Hazard, Mickey Hazard was great. It just yeah. never worked out. And Graham yeah, Roberts this, did all right that, for us. No, no, no. But... but but you're not answering the question. No, no, that's a good point. It's who Sorry. didn't look Sorry. right in a Chelsea Mr. show, yeah. which is why Dean's, an- Dean's answer was the best. Yes. Absolutely. So Absolutely. anybody that plays for Spurs shouldn't wear a Chelsea shirt. Clayton's a lawyer, by the way. Edwin Coe, that's the thing to do, is to ring him up. <laughs> Get him in. Get him in. <laughs> well, Gra- Graham Roberts is a Spurs ambassador, isn't he, or something now? Yeah. yeah. He blocks so is Mickey Hazard. Yeah. If, yeah. you, if you listen to Mickey Hazard or Graham Roberts, you know, in, in, in the same way that a lot of our ex-players only talk like Ashley Cole, it's we, Joe Cole, it's we, um, they're, they're like that for Spurs. <laughs> Bert, Stolt, Bert Stoltz has just uh, uh, chastised me, I think, is the... Uh... 
is the only way to put it. He says, Bosswinger is a legend! Kicked Ben Ayoun off the pitch when time-wasting. But you're absolutely right. And the other thing that Bosswinger did, which we, we should always love him for, was that he mugged QPR off totally, if you remember. When, when they got relegated, he walked off the pitch laughing. <laughs> Do you remember that? Everybody's looking at me like I'm mad. It happened, I'm telling you. Ash, that was a really good question, mate. Well done. Lovely to hear from you. Now, last question of the evening befalls to possibly our longest suffering listener to the Chelsea fan cast, Mr. And Lester Thorpe. Well, um, how about uh, when are you going to get Paul Cannon's Cannonville back on the, on the fan cast? It's a really good question, Lester. When would you like him on? Anytime. Well, he'll come on anytime. <laughs> He's always good to listen to, um, especially now that we've got such great attacking players that he can, uh, you know, admire and uh, and talk to us about. Yeah, Leicester, yeah. It, it, it will be. That if I can, I mean, I, I, you know, there's a few people uh, that I check in on, you know. Um, I'm, I'm pretty crap at doing this, I have to be said. But, you know, I, I've checked in on Paul a couple of times since March he's his foundation and everything but. He, yeah but I you know I worry about these guys you know but he, he's okay he's doing all right Kerry I, I speak to you regularly he's having a tough time because you know they ain't got any work you know uh like a lot of us let's be frank but uh yeah I mean I, I could phone Canners up and say come on mate do a zoom. I know he can do zoom that was always my concern with people like Paul <laughs> is he gonna master the technology but yeah. he's been doing a lot of really good stuff. I don't know if you, you know, talk, talk, talk sport don't do much that's good. But the the documentary series that they've produced on the history of black players in England has been just beyond compare. And Paul featured hugely in one of those episodes. So he's he's been he's been doing all right. And he clearly knows how to work Zoom. So he's got no excuse. So we will get him on, Lester. All right. Just for you, if nobody else. <laughs> Can I just say that the, the thing I love about Paul is that when he talks about scoring, the joy of scoring for him, he, he transmits to everybody. There's a kind of childish quality about, you know, the ball came over and I, I hit it towards the goal and found it in the back of the net. And uh, 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 still, even now, even now, you can sit next to him and just go, God, you're, you're reliving this and it's completely joyous for you. And particularly if you were there, and he scored against Fulham, and I was there. And I saw the trajectory going. Had to have him talking about it, and in a, in this with the same enthusiasm that I've got is just, it's 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 mind blowing. It's wonderful, really. Yeah. He's such a sweet guy. He really yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. We we will Lester, fear not, my friend. We will get him on. Right. Uh, okay. That's it. No more questions, people. It was brilliant uh, that you are so many brilliant ones, and it's been lovely that we've managed to hear from all of you. I think I can, I can safely say. We've had a question from every single one of our Patreon people, which is exactly the whole point of this show. And just to think that we've only really kind of had one question from all of you and we've still managed to waffle on for nearly two hours. Maybe we need to do a four-hour show. I don't know. I'm game. Maybe we can do an all-nighter. You know, get the drugs out, do an all-nighter. It's got to be off. Bye. Uh, it's all right. Jo Jonathan can do it in shifts. Uh, anyway, listen, um, apart from the outro, in a minute, I've got some very, very important business to attend to. Right, because we had a competition on our last uh, preview show, which Clayton asked a question, which was brilliant, which was that something really special happened on the first uh, game he ever went to, which was Chelsea, Tot Chelsea played Tottenham away in 1967. And Clayton asked 
There was something really special that happened that day. A record was set that still remains today. And uh, we got no answers at all. Uh, because uh, Clayton asked it in such a peculiar way that nobody had an idea. No, no, I'm only pulling your leg, mate. Anyway, I, I asked the question. Refra- I've seen the script. I've rephrased the question again. <laughs> I've rephrased the question again uh, last Monday. And I tell you what, mate, we've had a bumper reply. We've got 10 correct answers. And, and because this is the fan cast, people haven't just like written in and said, it's, that's the answer. They've written like emails. For the whole thing, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do you all justice, and I'm gonna read them out because they're absolutely brilliant. And would you believe, starting with Mister and Lester Thorpe. So there you go. Who says hi, Chidge? I was at that game in 1967 versus Totteringham. It was famous for Ian Chico Hamilton's debut and goal for Chelsea. He was 16 years old. It still holds that record as being the youngest player to score in his debut. Great podcast tonight, as usual. And Lester. There you go. He's in here tonight with us now. As is this man, Brian Justman. I swear to God, I hope one of you two win it. And I mean, I know that's horribly biased, but I really do. Because you're in here, it'd be brilliant. And, I, and, I, and, and you'll find out in a minute that I can't possibly rig it in any way. I've, I've, made, it, I've made it foolproof. Like Dominion in the United States. Don't let's, let go, don't Let's not go down that route. Anyway, Brian Justman. He says, hi, Chidge. Chico Hamilton became Chelsea's youngest ever goal scorer at Spurs in 1967. I'll admit, since no one answered this last week, as Clayton figured out, uh, I went into my copy of the remarkable Diamonds, uh, Dynamos and Devils to learn the answer. Best Brian. See you Monday at the Q&A. We are indeed, Brian. Uh, then Christopher Dean says, Hi, Chidge and the gang. Answered the question in ref for the book competition, Spurs v Chelsea 1967. Chico Hamilton became Chelsea's youngest appearance maker and goal scorer. Record held to this day, aged 16 years and 138 days. So there we go. Adam Pisani answered, Chico Hamilton was the youngest player ever to appear in a top flight game for Chelsea. Thanks, Adam Pisani. Matthew Harding, lower season ticket holder. Robert Bish, Ian Chico Hamilton, scored on his debut and became Chelsea's youngest ever goal scorer. He went to my school back in the day and we sent a large delegation of 13 to 16-year-old school kids and masters from the school to the game. One of my first away games in my 50-plus year love affair with the Blues. How about that? Uh, And we've got another winner in here tonight. Look at this, Ash. Maybe this is why you're all in here. Maybe you you only, you've come in here because you know you want to see if you win. Maybe that's what's. I've only just figured this out. Anyway, Ash says hi, Chidge. I hope you're well. Uh, thank you uh, to you and the and the team for making me look forward to your fancast every week. The answer to the 1967 18th of March 1967 is that it is the league game that Chelsea's youngest league goal scorer scored, Ian Hamilton. It was exactly 18 years before my birth. Bloody hell! If it's a tie. I have a random fact. I'm sorry, Ash, there can't be a tie. I've, I've managed to make, make sure that that can't happen. But he says, if it is a tie, um, where have I got it? If it's, I have a random fact about my house. Jody Morris's autograph is stuck behind my fireplace. My other half brought this photograph for me on eBay. It was signed, of all things, on a football card with Jody in his St. Johnson attire. It was on the fireplace mantelpiece for a few years, pride of place, and fell down a crack between the wall and the mantelpiece. I can't wait to hear 50 years of Chelsea again, particularly from 1994 to 95 when I started avid- avidly following the team. The Cup Winners' Cup run and seeing Steen and Furlong score in the quarters on the Beeb. Take care, Ash. I mean, what a brilliant... St- un- unmute yourself, young Ash. 
What what a brilliant story. And I'm glad you like the 50 years. And just very quickly, a lot of people have been moaning at me quite rightly saying, where the bloody hell are they? I've got two in the can that I need to edit. And then we need to like refigure out when we do them. I'm just so incredibly busy at the moment. It's been really tough. But I know you love them. We love them too. We will get on them. Ash, explain. Go on, JK. How completely exhausting they are doing them. They're fun. A lot of work. Relive, but also reliving all these things that I'd tucked away, this trauma of having our team lose. Oh, And all I, you do is have to turn up, mate. I have to do all the work. It's, you have to do all the work. Yeah, but I have to emote. I have to give yeah. all the emotion. I was there, Chidge, particularly in periods where you appear not to be supporting Chelsea. Well, that's very true, at least the 30 yeah. years before I turned up. But I, I do have to say to you before we get going, what's your motivation for this, J.K.? Uh, I can't say the money. <laughs> that would normally be the case, wouldn't it? <laughs> the joy, Chidge. The joy of working with you. Correct and answer. Meeting, and meeting all these people. Correct who are, answer. Who are now friends. Correct uh, answer. It, it's such a lovely experience. And it's good. It's fantastic seeing you on Zoom. So, uh, you know, really great stuff, guys. Fantastic. Right, I love now, it. Ash, love it. Ash. Brilliant story, mate. That's fantastic. Tell me more. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> Jody Morris is my first favourite Chelsea player. I don't know why. Well, I think it's because I'm a bit of a short ass, and so was he. He liked a good tackle hard. He had a lot of vision passing the ball. And yeah, I just, he, he was sort of always my my first sort of Chelsea love, I guess, of, of a you know, player. I loved him too, mate. He's a brilliant player. Yeah, yeah I loved it's him. brilliant seeing him on the touchline now with Frank. But uh, yeah, before that, when I first got into Chelsea, Gavin Peacock was the sort of first player because of the two goals against man united you know that season and then yeah crying uh on the, watching the telly in the 94 fa cup yeah. final hit the bar yeah so yeah i just can't wait to relive all that sort of initial you know discovery of chelsea so i look forward to hearing yeah i promise for you if for nobody else ash that we will we will get because we're only, we're only we're in 1991 i think if my memory serves so we're nearly there, you know, and Dean's been waiting to come on this show for about three months, so we really need to get going on it. Is All right, Dean Mears, Chidge, the author of that great book. What that? Um, what was it called? Um, Palpable Discord? No, no, that was Clayton Beerman. Yeah, oh, Cult Fiction. Fiction. That's, that's right. Yeah, 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 that's yeah it. I'd forgotten it already. Uh, right. Anyway, we've got four more competition winners. Adam Bradley, uh, who says uh, gives the right answer, basically. Ian Hamilton again. Daniel Buckfield, good morning. I'm utterly clueless with this question as the games were played 20 years before I was born. My answer is, most yellow cards for an away team. I'll listen out next week. Up the Charles Town. I've now got to figure out, if if we pick him out, he can't win, all right? Because that's not the right answer. Much as I love you, Daniel, and it's, it made me laugh, which is why I included it. Uh, James Copper, good morning, Chidge. I hope you're well. I thought I would have a stab at the competition for the Let the Celery Decide book. Is the answer that a record was set for the youngest player starting in the first team of Ian Hamilton of 16 years and 138 days? That's the only thing I could find. Many kind regards, James Copper. It is indeed, James. And finally, Jamie Murphy. Hi, Chidge. The answer to the podcast quiz is Ian Chico Hamilton scored. And that made him the youngest ever Chelsea scorer up the Blues, Jamie. So there we go. So what I have done, and of course now you see it's wonderful. All the Patreon people who are in here with us can see what's happening. See, right, see that? You can't, can't quite see that. I've Right, the, there are 10 bits of paper folded up. You, you can't quite see the... Can you see the numbers on there? You can now. They've all got numbers on them. They're not even warm. No, they're not, none of them have been sitting here over here getting cold. So, so there's no hot balls. I have no idea whose name is on them and what number relates to which. 
Um, I've already said this. I now know what will happen. In true UA for style, when I ask one of you to pick the number out, or just pick a number between 1 and 10, we will pick Daniel Buckfield out first. It's Sod's Law. He will have to be thrown away, and then we choose another number. But you never know. He might strike lucky and not pick Daniel Buckfield out. You've caused loads of trouble, Daniel, and it's all my fault for loving your email, including it in, and forgetting that you hadn't won. But there you go. Chidge, are these, are these postal votes? No, they're, they're not. They're not mail-in ballots. There are okay. no hanging chads. right? You can see here, right? For example, there you go. Can you see that? That's a piece of paper with a number on it. Piece of paper with a number on it. See? There you go. So obviously, I, I can see Brian's written. He feels like an elections monitor. Yeah, um, but I've obviously, let, I, Brian, if you were a Republican, you wouldn't have been allowed in. No, but everybody's allowed in. There's none of that nonsense here. They're all legit. They're all legal votes. We're not six feet away. We're about six thousand miles away. Apart from that, apart from that, it's fine. So, uh, who, who of the fan casters would like to be the one responsible for pissing at least eight people off? Well, Jonathan does it every week. So why shouldn't? Why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love, I love you. Do you want to pick? Name? Oh, yeah, Tony. Do you yeah, want to? Do, do you want to? Do you want to pick the number, J.K.? Yes, please. All right. So pick a number between one and ten. Nine. Nine. And the winner is. <laughs> I told you. I told you this would happen. <laughs> I told you this is UEFA it's Daniel Buckfield so you can't win Daniel because you didn't give us the right answer I knew that would happen that is just why spooky. was he in the in, in the in the first because place? I forgot that he hadn't actually answered the question it just made me laugh so I rigged rigged no, rigged it's not rigged. because he can't win it because he didn't get the right answer so you get so, so Tony I'm going to rely on you pick a number between one and ten that isn't nine uh, I'm going to go for three right okay it happens to be right here before me and it is it's adam pisani i'm sorry lester i'm sorry brian i'm sorry ash i'm really sorry but it is adam pisani just to prove it there you go can you see that adam pisani it's all the wrong way round, but you get the drift see i told you it was all above board there you go anyway i'm really i'm really desperately one of one of you three to win it because you're in here tonight but never mind adam uh congratulations mate i will i will email you back and uh and get your address and as soon as we're allowed back in a post office i will send you a copy of this wonderful book which is uh let the celery decide and if you haven't bought it already go out and buy it it's an absolutely cracking read walter otten uh in a in a pool of very talented chelsea writers uh preeminent preeminent amongst them obviously dean mears with his book cult fiction uh and followed very yeah followed very closely by uh uh, Clayton Beerman of he of palpable discord, but Walter is the is the don of Chelsea. He's, a, he's a, and he's a damn lovely chap. He's a damn lovely chap. So Adam, you want, if you if you, you ask him, if, if he said, do you want a drink, Tony? That's what he said to me the first time I met yeah. him. I went, oh, I can't have another pint. He said, have a double gin and tonic. Double. You didn't. I no, he's just he's just one of oh, life's okay, beautiful then. people. People, um, what a, what's so much fun tonight. Uh, I wish we could do this every week. It's much more fun talking about the you know the what's what's happened in the last match. Keep never you know keep the football out of football. I'm all of, all of, all in favour of that. But we have got to go. I'm afraid we really have. It's all we've got time for this week. Uh, I will be back with Jonathan this Friday uh, to look ahead to the Newcastle match, and we'll be joined by Martin Wickham. And the Talk of the Tune podcast. Yeah. Why, 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 why,
who I tried to talk to yesterday, but they they use Zencaster for their podcast and I couldn't get in. So it never happened, which is a great shame. But I magnanimously said, well, you're more than welcome to join us on Friday. And they said yes. So one of them will be turning up. Uh, right. The Chelsea Fancast, as you all know, is available as a podcast on ChelseaFancast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify and other podcast distributors. Uh, you can find us and everybody else, including the preeminent Chelsea podcast of them all, which is, of course, as we all know, London is Blue, Dean's favourite podcast, that's for sure. Uh, and they are on uh, an app. There's a brilliant app called CFC Blues where you can get them all in one place. It's brilliant. And they tell us how to get it here. Now, as you know, uh, as it's a, Q- a Q&A show, we've it's just been brilliant to have, um, you know, so many patreon members in here it's, i mean you know number one thank you for joining us number two thank you for being patreons it really honestly it really helps out you have no idea how much it helps out and it really really does i i always say this i endeavor to try and do more on it uh i fail miserably every time but i do my do the best that i can and i'll continue doing that but one thing i won't do ever is do this bloody tear nonsense and all of that i can't be doing with that Basically, you either donate something or you don't donate at all. There's no pressure. I I love you all the same. But I'm not going to start kind of like making it tear. I tried it to kind of do this Discord thing. And then I've, those of you who will know, I've deleted the tear because it just, it's bollocks, basically. So you either donate or you don't. If you do, I love you to pieces. If you don't, I still love you to pieces. But if you want to, very easy. You just go to patreon.com forward slash Chelsea fancast and you can donate a little bit of, uh, of uh, moolah every month uh and of course you will get a chelsea uh, a kerry dixon mini banner if you want one you can belong to our discord group uh who's in the discord group uh ash tony daryl claire claire is definitely claire is one of our leading prem predictions leaguers she's in there i don't think brian is yet i don't think lester is in yet I don't think Alex is in yet. You've clearly got better things to do. I don't blame you. But it's quite fun. We have a nice old chat in there um, when, we, when we, 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 bemoan our, we bemoan picking West Ham to win is usually the topic of conversation, isn't it, Daryl? But there you go. Anyway, yeah, join Patreon, join Discord. It's all great fun. Now, as you know, we, we like emails every week. So if you want your email, uh, Patreon, Instagram post or tweet to be read out on the show, then you need to let me have them by the end of the day on Sunday or the absolute latest Monday morning. The email address is chelseafancast at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Tony at Grocer Jack UK, Clayton at Goalie59, Dean at Dean Mears. And uh, we should shout out a very special guy, shouldn't we, Dean? Mr. Tom Thompson Thompson Louie at Thompson Louie. Yeah, he's got another piece ready for me on the email. I need to um, get it on the site tonight as, as soon as possible. You know, he's providing some some great content for us so yeah thank you Dean. good on him uh we yeah but maybe we'll get him on the show one week do you think he'd like that yeah i'm sure he would then he can owe you a guinness then he can owe me a guinness i'm racking them up as we speak excellent well no thank you louis you you write some good stuff and it's uh it's lovely that people want to write for the website uh don't forget, of course, talking to the website, ChelseaFanCast.com. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, of course, at Chelsea Fancast. Now, I need to say goodbye to everybody. I don't quite know what order to do it. I should do it in the order in which they are here. So if you would like to unmute yourselves and we can say thank you and goodbye. Uh, Lester, lovely to see you, mate. I haven't seen you properly. I know. I miss seeing you in the pub for a Guinness, but it's nice to see you on here, mate. Thank you. 
great to hear hear everybody's voices and see faces. Yeah. And uh, all the best to everybody for the rest of the season. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll see you before the... I'll try and do another one of these and we'll get yeah, you back maybe in. Easter. Maybe yeah. Easter yeah. will reopen. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Let's hope so. It's lovely to see you, mate. And uh, stay safe and well. Daryl, my old mucker, good to see you. Thanks, everybody. Been great. Been really yeah. good. Yeah, I really enjoyed having you on board. Alex, as always, an absolute pleasure to have your erudition and wit and insight. Well, again, thank you for a great show. Thank you for doing the podcast, which has been a, this particular time over here. It's been a fantastic distraction. So uh, no, I just wish I could get more on Patreon. I could one day. No, 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 no. So well. More than enough, Alex. Uh, really, really value it. Well, so, you're a, thank you're a, you. you're a sweetheart. Yeah, great to see everybody too. Yeah. You know, you're a sweetheart for doing that. It's it's lovely of you. Now, Ash is our newest Patreon member, if my memory serves me correctly. But Ash, hey, thank you for that. That's very sweet of you. Sorry you didn't win the book, mate. I, I desperately wanted one of you, Lester or Brian, to win it. But uh, there you go. I'm really sorry, Adam. I don't mean to be churlish about you, but I'm just because they're here, you know. But, uh, you know, welcome to Patreon. I hope you enjoyed tonight. Hopefully we'll see you again on here as well. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Yeah, thanks for letting us come on. I, I listen to you yeah, for the last two years every week. I'm normally running as I as I, as I listen to you guys. That's, so what, little... that's the effect we have on most people, Ash. Actually. Yeah, running away. <laughs> so it's a bit weird uh, having a Guinness, uh, having a Guinness, having a oh, whiskey instead. <laughs> lovely, good man. So, so nice. It's been, it's been great. I look forward to the next one. Great yeah, stuff. Well, we'll again. do it. We will do it again in the international next international break, or maybe if there's another opportunity to do it, we'll do it. Uh, and the the lovely Ash Pinto, who's wearing his Chelsea fancast T-shirt, I love him for that. It's always great to see you, Ash. You, you really really enjoy seeing you, mate. Yeah, good to good to see you too. See everybody again. Another question and Q and A, and uh, yeah, it's been great. Hope everyone stays well and stays safe as yeah. we get into the cooler season yeah winter season so yeah you too mate you stay safe up in canada and as for you ms ms mcconnell uh lovely to see you and uh, you stay safe and well too lovely to see you thank you so much yeah it's always great to see you claire i'll see see some of you in discord no doubt the weekend and as for you brian justman last but by no means least brian how lovely to see you in here for the first time hopefully we see you again as well Oh, for sure. For sure. It was great meeting everybody. And again, thanks for everything you do. I'm very happy to donate. We are not worthy. We are not worthy. There we go. Brilliant. That's our patrons. And now for the now for the, 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 the rabble, the rabble that madly come and do this with me every week. They must be bloody mad. Uh, Dean Mears, the famous author of cult fiction, soon to be famous for doing a woman's Chelsea podcast and the pinup boy of Chelsea fancast, of course. Yeah, um, you know, thanks everyone for joining us tonight. It's been a great fun. And you know, last time you did this, Alex wrote a lovely email, but did leave me off. Um, so if you want to write down, <laughs> name, uh... let it go, let it go. <laughs> let the healing begin. Oh, Dean, you are superb, mate. That's legendary. Uh, Clayton Beerman, uh, love you to pieces, mate. Good to see you as ever. Really enjoyed it again tonight. Yeah, no, very good. And uh, it's lovely to see all the Patreon members. Um, and uh, I'll see if I've got a garage full of old books I can't sell. I'll flog on the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I've actually got, I've actually, and this is this is a bad omen for Adam and, and Nate as well, but I've actually got two copies of uh, this book here, funnily enough. 
Oh, there, there we go. One, one, of, one of them, one of them is for a competition winner who I can't even remember who it was. <laughs> but I'm, this is mine. I'm keeping it because it's a great book. Uh, and it echoed. It, it, I know I've got another one somewhere. I don't know what. I, maybe I. Oh no, it is up here. Yeah, I've still got two of them. So I never actually sent the bloody thing out. I must do that anyway. What am I like, uh, Tony? As always, <laughs> Clayton's looking at me like, oh for. God's sake, what is it like? <laughs> uh, Tony, great to see you as always, mate. It's been brilliant fun. It's been great to uh, to meet and, and chat with uh, the Patreon people. And it's just been, well, it's been brilliant, hasn't it? It's been a good laugh. Um, we've had our moments. I've had a little rant. And, uh, yeah, it's good. And, 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 uh, and you'll, you know, for, for, for those who are interested, there will be a podding shed imminently soon within the next couple of weeks yeah, sadly i'll be on it as well when you're out um when you're monitoring elections and uh or, or <laughs> trying try to escape the stop the steel gangs and that sort of stuff you know yeah as i said sadly i'll be on it too just to lower the tone so uh, yes yeah. yeah 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 well i it's, it'll be good to give you a grilling yeah, no, I'm up for that. I love doing the podding show with you, mate, because it's 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 uh, it takes the pressure off me for doing this. Um, <laughs> apart from everything else, and last but by no means least, uh, Mr. Jonathan Kidd with three Ds. <laughs> Jonathan Kidd in three D. That's an <laughs> idea. Oh no, you don't want to see that, Chidge. No, there are too many bulgy bits. Um, what's the name of your book, Clayton? Um, palpable, palpable. Um... Color by numbers. Colour by numbers, that's right, yeah. When are you writing another book? Me? Yeah, you. Uh, I'm I'm halfway through a book, but oh. it's not about football. Okay, it's about music. Mm. Yes. Let's see, that'll of be course. brilliant. Of course it will be good. Yeah. Well, I'd buy it. My, that's, uh, that's one copy. There you go. <laughs> but my, dad's, my dad's autobiography, the first volume, is almost finished. Yeah, I'm going to do an interview. I'm going to do a special with you, aren't I? I'm going to interview it's an autobiography you, because I found it in my mum's loft and I've edited it. It's not a biography. My dad was a well-known English actor and um, British actor and uh, who uh, didn't have much... A couple of things he did ended up in America, but he, uh, he was a big, big... Um, uh, a well-known TV actor, TV and film actor, and uh, uh, and I'm uh, I've got down to the uh, in fact Marco um, Mark Worrell is helping me with this. He's being he's being excellent. He's going to format it for me, and uh, I've then got to publish it. and And to my horror, the 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 marketing area for me is as a TV channel called um, Talking Pictures TV, which oh, yeah. shows shows all these old films from 1945 onwards. In fact, earlier than that, 1930s onwards. And my father's most films he made was between he made 116 between 1945 and 1953 and they play them all he's only got small parts in them or scenes but he's on about nine times a week and the woman who runs the channel I spoke to her about it she said she said you've got to make a commercial for it and I said oh that'd be great I'd love to she said above all you mustn't put it on Amazon I said why she said everybody's over 80 and they they don't they, they don't know how Amazon works she said you've got to create a website and just put an address and have to deal with the the physical aspect of selling the uh, selling the books, which I thought was a, a funny story. The, the, I said, well, also, she said, you've got to make a commercial. Okay, so what, 10 seconds? She said, no, a minute. You've got to be a minute. She said, because what will happen is it'll come on and they'll see the address and then they'll drop their pencil. She said, and then they have to pick it up and then, then they'll take ages, <laughs> ages writing it down. You know and what you said, should <laughs> do? You know what you should yeah, do? Yeah. You, yeah. Should, you should basically dress it up 
as an advert for uh you know uh depends or something like that yes, incontinence yes. pants yeah or, yeah yeah or he- health health insurance yep. life insurance for the over 70s or something like that and then well, just, just slip the advert for the book in for the book in or i know if i slip it in again they'll go what's that and then they'll drop the pencil again mm-hmm. and i said where do you get this from she said this is what i deal with my channel is based on on having to send people in the post items because they um, and DVDs because they just they they may have email and they can get email on the internet but they don't know how to go and buy stuff on Amazon so she said you've got to be prepared for that so it's uh, Jonathan I'm using Marco's printer Marco's been really helpful love love you as I do I need to go to sleep no absolutely sorry well everybody else was getting a plug for their book I I know I know but you see not every not everybody else is not everybody else is getting not everybody else is getting a whole hour's interview to plug their book Oh yeah, I forgot, I forgot about that. Yeah, sorry. which I can, which can be revoked at any time. But and by the way, my dad was a, was a Chelsea supporter, as I've said. Yeah, so he, yeah. he used to sit next to Richard Attenborough. So he was not. But before Richard Attenborough was it Richard Attenborough? Jonathan, enough, enough, enough. We got to go. We got to go. <laughs> right. Okay. We do have to go, sadly, because it is the time is moving on. But uh, as always, uh, you know, thanks to the Patreon people, thanks to the marvelous fan casters who have given up their Monday, as they always do for me. Thank you to the lovely people in. Uh, Mixler, who've been listening in live and who've been asking questions too. It's great to see you as it always is. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, keep it chels. Up the chels! Das Leben kann hektisch sein. Warum nicht dem Alltag entfliehen und in die magische Welt von Evermerge eintauchen? Evermerge ist ein magisches Land, das mit jeder Entdeckung größer und besser wird. Werde ein Merge Master. Baue und sammle einzigartige Gegenstände oder verschönere deine eigene wundersame Welt. Im Land von Evermerge gibt es immer etwas zu tun. Evermerge. Jetzt kostenlos im App Store herunterladen.